Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this great episode of Stories Queen Presents. We wanted to pop in here at the beginning to let you know that we did experience some technical difficulties while recording this episode you're about to listen to. And while the content and material covered in it is absolutely phenomenal, the audio quality is not quite up to the standards that we usually perform. But again, the content material was so good, we couldn't even bring ourselves to try and re-record it because we would just miss out on all that really good flair. So we hope you enjoy the episode and can take the audio quality as it is. We've already fixed the problem, so apologies again, but hopefully you really dig the episode. And uh, if you do, let us know. And hey, if you don't like the audio quality, let us know. We love talking to you. All right, enjoy the episode, guys. And thanks again. Welcome to another episode of Over Drinkers. I am Mike Burge, the voice inside your ears. I can be annoying from time to time, but tonight I'm going to try and keep it down just a little bit uh, because we're dealing with not one movie, but two, but are both called the same thing. Uh, today I'm joined by Diana DeMiro, who is the associate editor for Scarcity. Yes, you are. That's right. And we're going to, uh, today, we're going to be talking about a big movie that has been sweeping the nation with its scary clownage and kids that are kind of like Stranger Things and building off Vadey's nostalgia. But also, we're also going to be talking about, uh, the other adaptation from 1990 of the same name. What are we talking about today? We are talking about. Stephen King's It. It. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the original 1990 two-part miniseries version made for TV and the grand spanking, flashy new 2017 version. Which is... Which is great. People are yeah. talking about that. They are talking. A lot. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. We actually have uh, a Hot Takes episode, uh, Jack and Robbie and Jeremy. Jeremy went out and checked it out and they've got a really good one you can head over there to take to get their fresh take on it this one however we we saw the movie twice yep and we rewatched the 1990 miniseries pretty recently trying to gauge like differences stuff like that neither of us had read the book i read a little bit of the book a long time ago and i barely remember it i did a little once we rewatched the old version i kind of did a little bit of internet research if you will so you're gonna have some so to have some references of how certain parts of the new version are actually closer to the book and as is traditional on over drinkers we are drinking a specialty drink today and we are drinking uh alcoholic root beer floats because we all float down here don't we cheers to you and see how this is It's kind of delicious. It's I not. Thought, it's not bad. I thought it'd be way worse than that. I was anticipating it being really terrible. Mm. <laughs> and we're drinking. Uh, what is it? A uh, 
not your father's root beer. Uh, mixed right, with a little bit of Briar's home style vanilla ice cream. It's got like a little weird um, mean aftertaste. It's got a little thing at the end. Like you're like, yeah, it's root beer, and then you're That's like, actually no. Like super oh my god! No, actually, it's not. I really like that a lot. Okay. Mm. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so good. Ice, gonna, ice cream one, and alcohol. Uh, I'm going to make one slurpy noise right now, and then I'm going to try not to make them during the rest of the mm. podcast. Do you want to try and get to the ice cream? Oh, my, there we go. That's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, we can do that all we want. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, pretty much we're going to play it pretty loose from the hips. Uh, it has been out for a while now. Um, and the new It has also been out for about a, a, a month. Yeah, and I, so. I definitely want to reference a couple of things that the guys touched on in the hot take. Without they had a re- they had away, a really good episode, too. You yeah, should definitely and, and check that out. Yeah, totally. Uh, I wanted to say right off the bat that this movie was released on uh, September 8th, 2017. Which is 2017 is 27 years after 1990 when that movie was when the original miniseries was released. They say in the book and in the new movie that it's uh, it returns every 27 years. I think in the miniseries they say every 30 years. About, I think they yeah, change it up yeah. a little bit. But it's really interesting. Somebody pointed out to me earlier today when I was talking about doing the podcast that it is uh, 982017. Okay. Adds up to 27. I'm still not Is good. that like why they picked that date? It's I'm not like, good at math. I don't. Yeah, pick well, up I'm on not that really good either. I didn't even double check it. So, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it coming out at this point right now was like a really good idea to like hype up. October is coming up. It's time of year to watch some scary Halloween, movies. Yeah. movies. So I I will say right off the bat, I liked the new it. I thought it was really immersive and engaging. Uh, all of the kids are amazing. Mm, uh, the, you know, without getting into too much that we would eventually talk about, I think it's just like a really good time at the movies. Like this is one that I would definitely recommend to people just like Dunkirk for completely different reasons. It's just like super immersive as like a theater going experience you know you, you take some friends to go see a movie like this as far as it's concerned dunkirk yeah take some friends to go see them but you really want to see dunkirk for what they're showcasing on screen because it's going to be way different once yeah. it's only once you're able to only watch it like on your home video or anything like that it is more you really want to go while it's in theaters and still fresh because the crowd is going to be just as much fun as what you're seeing and how everybody reacts to what they're doing and the jokes and the scares. And they land way better when you have more people reacting to them. I was actually really surprised by how many people in the audience had never seen the original and there, like, well, yeah. didn't realize that there would be like a later part and as adults. Like everyone was like, what? Like right at the end when it's like, <laughs> It chapter one comes yeah. up that everybody's like, Oh, does that mean that? And I was like, Where have you guys been? I just watched it again um, <laughs> yesterday for the second time. I went and saw it, and it was like 2 p.m. Yeah. early afternoon at like an old dive theater in the area. And it was me and my friend, 
who went to go see it. And then there was like uh, two girls in the back that were on their phones the whole time. But they had the wherewithal to go all the way to the back of the theater because they were sitting closer to us and they were kind of talking. And I just turned back to them right after like the first opening Pennywise scene. I just looked back and I was like, no, no, no. I was even just like, hey, could you guys try and be just a little quieter, please? Thank you. And they got up and moved like five more rows back and went to the back and continued their little shenanigans. But they were really cool throughout the rest of it. And then there was one dude sitting in the front row who just seemed like he was not paying attention. I think he was sleeping. <laughs> he got up like during the the end sequence where they're fighting it and like went to the bathroom. We're like, oh, I guess he doesn't like it. Yeah. But then he came back. And, Interesting. And so... It was like, that was a smaller screening, but when me and you went and first saw it, we saw opening night. Right. At like the 7 p.m. Thursday night showing, and it was packed with Yeah, people. it was packed. And that was a really fun experience because yeah. all the jokes, you know, when you go and see movies and you watch movies as much as we do, we, right. we watch a lot of movies. They Sometimes you don't just like, you don't, yeah, you don't laugh out yourself. loud or, you, yeah, it's... Right. With a big crowd of people, you really, it kind of helps you to just like immerse yourself in the theater going experience and you just start laughing your ass off because everybody around you is laughing too. And I think this movie is perfect for that because just as scary as it is, it's also really funny. Right. And really touching. I have to say, I was super glad that I went and saw it a second time because I think my first viewing of it, even though it had that great crowd experience, I was sort of you know, subconsciously picking it apart on how it was different from the original and in my mind deciding whether or not I liked how it was different from the original. So then knowing that the second time around and being like, oh, okay, this character's slightly different or this plot point is totally different, I was just able to be like, Psh, and just enjoy it and have a lot more fun with the new cast of characters. So that was pretty awesome. So I kind of envy some of those people who had not seen the original because I think yeah. they were able to have that from the get-go where even though this movie does sort of play to a lot of people our age who saw the original when they were little, it's also pretty awesome to have some brand new listening you know, background going into it. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's, and that's, uh, it's really fun because we saw this movie when it came out and we're recording this now probably about I think it's like three weeks yeah. after we saw it. And right. me and you have not talked about it. I know. I've shut it down like We've three like, times. We're like, no, 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 we can't. Like, <laughs> like, let's just like, not talk about it. I think <laughs> we generally were just like, kids were really good. Kids were really I good. Had a lot of fun. I like it. I want to see it again. But we tried not to talk about it. So it's actually yeah. really fun to talk to you about it now because it's a movie that you really liked right. and that I really like. And we uh, we talked a little bit about the miniseries too, but... We also wanted to hold that back, too, because, I mean, that was the first time we've ever watched that together. Right. I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you, like, a little bit about your experience first seeing that. Well, I definitely wanted to bring up your first experience, oh, because you have told me about oh that in the past, yeah. which I think is, like, the perfect it experience to totally. have watching the first one. I Mine is, like, super simple. It's just, like, I'd seen the creepy clown before that when, when Tim Curry played him. Legendary teen heartthrob, Tim beautiful, Curry. Beautiful, Tim Curry. <laughs> and I, he's, his portrayal of Pennywise is like, that's what you always think about when you think of like, 
like a creepy clown. Yeah, you think Rocky Horror and you think it. That's those are defining roles for like, Tim Curry. Well, whenever I think of Tim Curry in particular, Blue? I always, no, 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 hotel manager in Home Alone too. So fancy. Well, I was I was a Home Alone guy. Yeah, I was sure. a Home Alone kid. They they they, they force fed that on me constantly. Um, but him and it is. You hear people that even people that like praise the new it as being even better than the original most of them still either out of respect or actual like actually believing what they're saying say like tim curry's performance though can never be topped right and it i definitely think i think that's how it's portrayed right and that's why they went in a totally different i think that was the best move because if you're yeah. trying to copy tim curry you're not going to have that happen. yeah and we'll we'll get to bill scars guard yeah, in totally. a minute but yeah. like uh my first Thing with it, I I probably couldn't even tell you exactly when the first time I watched it was, but I'd imagine it was around the time I was eight or so, and I started watching horror movies uh, with my family and different family members that yeah. were like cheating and getting to show me so horror young. movies and like Nightmare on Elm. I I know for a fact that I had seen things like Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play. Um, and a couple really small, weird ones, because I remember those being the first horror movies I ever watched, because I was like, wait, TV's not supposed to do this. TV's supposed to make you feel good. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize that it was like, to give you the first time I saw Child's Play, my babysitter show, showed me Child's Play. Ooh. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and it's, to this day, it's like one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Child's I... Play is one of the scariest movies in the world to me. Because every time I watch it, I am like that seven-year-old kid again. So I had a conversation recently with a friend exactly about that. She had not seen the original It. So she was texting me, freaking out about it after. And then she was saying how, as a kid, she had seen Child's Play. And it had messed her up. So it's, it's pretty funny to hear that Which, again. Uh, if, yeah. if you're listening to this recently... We're screening it in Beacon for our show part three at Quinn's. Beacon Horror Free Show. screening. It's going to be that off the chain. We're going to do a best overalls competition. Oh. We're going to do some horror movie trivia for some prizes. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if you're listening to this in the post-apocalyptic world, which I hope will eventually happen, um, that screening already happened. And... You can't go. Hopefully it went really well. And I, I, I would imagine it went very well. So you missed out. But maybe we'll have pictures posted by that point on Stories from Beacon. Right. Not. And if hopefully you, have, you have access to Yeah, obviously, if you're listening to this in a post-apocalyptic world, you have to have some kind of internet access. I'm sure you go to storiescreenbeacon.com and check out some cool pictures <laughs> from that and stuff like that. Like, and storiescreenbeacon.com is one of those things. It's going to last beyond... Everything. It's a lot like it in that way. It's interdimensional. <laughs> uh, but, but I definitely want to talk about that because yeah, part, yeah, no, one we'll, of the yeah, things we'll that I want to talk about is what is it? Yeah, well, that's what, it's that's. But before, okay, yeah, right, no, okay, totally okay. Right. Before real we back, get to real that, back. though, your first experience of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so original recipe, it came out nineteen ninety. Young Diana was nine. So I'm trying to remember whether I actually saw it when it first aired on TV or if I saw it like later that year, potentially 10-year-old Diana. But needless to say, 
I did not grow up watching a lot of horror movies. I had much older sisters. When it came out, it was shown on TV like over and over yeah. and over again. I remember so that. I definitely caught it on one of those repeat viewings. Like it wasn't the first time it was being aired. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, it's bad. Oh, I'm probably not allowed to watch that. And I shouldn't have been allowed to watch that. So my mom was going to work because she worked nights as a nurse. And my dad would be home alone with me upstairs watching most likely sports of some, I don't know, some kind, probably baseball. And I would be downstairs in their bedroom watching whatever TV I wanted to watch. And so that was one of those shows that I was like, I'm going to sneakily watch this by myself, which was a horrible idea because it was terrifying. <laughs> and during like key points in the show, my dad came downstairs and turned the lights off. So I just like screamed bloody murder, not knowing what the hell was happening and then had Lots of clown nightmares. Did your dad know you were watching it? Yeah. He must have figured it out at some point. I mean, initially, no. But he used to do stuff like that to fuck with me all the time when (laughs) I was a kid. So, like, my dad was actually, like, a lot of fun when I was a little kid. And he would be working all day and then come home and have, like, the night shift of kid duty while my mom was at work. So, he'd kind of just leave me alone. So, a lot of times I would end up watching things that I was a little too young to watch because he wasn't, like, right on top of me. But, so that fear factor really stayed with me and I didn't rewatch it until we rewatched it recently. Oh really? Yeah. I mean I had seen I've seen it. I mean I've seen clips times of it. throughout it. It's right. one of those movies where you're yeah. just like, do I want to watch that? Yeah, it's, like it's very long. long. Yeah. long. Like it's, it's like movie. sound of music. Uh I'm trying to think of some other maybe the Wizard of Oz, like movies that they would play on TV that would take like six hours. Yeah. Oh yeah, with the commercial <laughs> breaks and everything. Yeah. Oh, so with it, that was like I'd love to. Minute. I'd love to track down like a VHS recording of the original with premiere the of it with the commercials that they would have back yeah. then. Because I think it was uh, it was one of those back to back night things where yeah. it was like you watch the first one on Thursday, yeah, and then on Friday was like the second one, so you'd have to just wait one day, right? Which I can't think of like a better way to release like a two part miniseries where yeah. it's like you make a you make a night of it, two nights back to back, and. Nowadays, it's like you'd have to wait a week, kind of like a totally. TV show, which is fine. But I really, it's it's one of those, um, it's like one of those cute things that everybody used to do in the 90s right. that nobody does anymore because they found better ways to be able to sell it, produce it, package it. Right. It's one of those things where back then it was like, well, we really shot it, so why don't we just like get it out there? Yeah, you could just stream the whole thing. Yeah, they were like, Binge watch it. why would we wait a whole week? Why don't we just do it the next day? We don't, we don't want them to get bored. Right. Yeah, you know, but now it's just like, oh, they'll wait because they hate waiting. <laughs> so, for you know, someone who hasn't seen the original, you actually see both kids fighting it, and then their adult selves later coming together, which we can definitely talk about because that's like a whole other cast, and because that's like the whole book yeah. is pretty much like. Going back and forth, kind of right. like how the original miniseries is. Kind it's of kind of like, like going back, back and, and forth. forth. The original miniseries kind of treats it as like it's slightly separated. We, like we it's pretty, like the first we, we half. Start, the we half. start with them being adults, right? And then through a series of like flashbacks, through like as they're told, like you have to come back. It is back now in the year nineteen ninety. Right. They're all remembering back to nineteen sixty, and they're what happened to them when they uh, experienced it. And 
it kind of like does that for like the first part. And then the second part is mainly them as adults right. coming back. And like, they've got like a, a star studded cat, uh, cast of people yeah. playing them as adults. But I still love the kid part better. Well, I mean, we should is, definitely talk about that. Yeah, the kid part is totally better. It's just a lot more that. scary too. Right. And it's like, again, it, you said too before that the nineties version it's so dated. It is now. Even though yeah. the 60s surprised. one is all the way back then. Yeah. And that brings up the idea of like the whole nostalgia That's true. thing where it's like when they were making this movie in 1990, people were nostalgic for the 50s and 60s. Sure. And so even though it's in 1960, it's really emulating the 50s because the 60s haven't really set in yet. It's really yeah. in the 50s. It's really like that wholesome, yeah, it's like small stand town. By me. That's the I mean, thing. that's exactly what it oh, looks man. like. Oh, man, so that's exactly what I wanted to talk about because, um, so during the hot tapes, um, the guys were kind of saying how it has a little bit of a Goonies feel. But in my mind, yeah. it definitely has a Stand By Me feel, which makes perfect sense because I looked it up. Stand By Me came out in 86. It came out in 1990. Stand By Me is based on a short story by Stephen King, The Body, which was written back in 82, which, oh, now I'm going to forget the name of the book. I think it's like Different Seasons. Yeah, Different Seasons, yeah. Which is awesome. If you haven't read that, um, check that out. It's got Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, mm -hmm. which is another amazing short story to film. And, yeah, the characters in that and the dynamic of the, like, outcast, kind of nerdy kids versus the older, scary bullies. It's really emulated in it, and it's particularly with the 50s version of the original. Mm -hmm. It's, like, almost exact. So you're sort of like, oh, did he just take that short story and extrapolate on it? Because he kind of did, and he just, like, took it in a different direction. I mean, I think it's it's a lot... It has a lot to do with, you know, Stephen King was around that age yeah when that times when that time is happening and right i think that that's what he stephen king has like himself professed that he's a, a very simplistic writer he writes what he knows yeah and, which is what you should do uh fortunately and unfortunately he knows uh things that are scary because he's very scared of a lot of different things and he understands what makes people uh afraid uh he, he and so that's what ends up being what a lot of his movies are about. And I think that's what's really great about Stephen King being known as, um, like, a, he's known as, like, the master of horror. Stephen King. He's the, right. the, the, but some of his best works are actually these movies that are not, or movies or books, or stories that are not horror-based. Like, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, so good. Is such an amazing story. And even though they really built on it when they made the the movie right. with like Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman and Team Heartthrob Clancy Brown. Oh God. <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's such a great movie. I, I, I wish that another movie had the number one place on IMDb so that I could make fun of it. Say what's the name? But like Shawshank Redemption is like the perfect movie to be sitting at number one on IMDb <laughs> because it's on TV all the time and the world's filled with dads. Yeah. So of course it's going to be number one, and dads the are the ones that filled with it's dads. filled with dads. Every almost everybody in the world's a dad. Yeah, it's crazy how many dads there are. Well, so that kind of brings up a good point about the fear factor with Stephen King's work, because you know 
as a kid watching the original version, clowns, the implied violence. I mean, less was actually seen because this was shown on TV. They couldn't show the crazy four that we see in the opening sequence of the 2017 film. And that's that opening you know, of that the 2017 was kind of like that is a di- punch that, in the gut. That is a direct message. Totally. like This is not your daddy's it. This is rated we R. Are going we're going to scare you. We're going to show you ripping off a six-year-old kid's arm. Yeah, and then him and trying to crawl away, bleeding insane, in the street. And then the arm coming out. Yeah. And that's, I've said to a lot of people, eh, but it, the beginning of 2017's It, the first 10 minutes of that, that opening scene. Really good. They really tap into something there that is just universally scary about the concept of what it is. Up to that point, it's almost exactly the same as the original. Yeah. Do you realize that? And they, and they, yeah, and that's that like, is. they make that turn. Yeah. And, uh, but I honestly feel like throughout the movie and even after watching it the second time, and it's a movie that I do like, they never really tap into that same thing sure. throughout the rest of the movie with the exception of one moment, which is, Again, I think most people would say it's their favorite moment of the movie uh, when they go and uh, when they go to the house of Nebel Street. Okay. And it comes out of the fridge. Yeah. And and starts approaching Eddie. Yes. And it's not even just like in him like twisting and turning around and then doing all those crazy dance moves right. going up to him. It's when he gets up to him and he realizes that the people up the, the kids upstairs are not afraid and he's about to eat Eddie and he turn he's like wait they're not afraid and he kind of turns around and Bill is there with Richie and he asks Bill he's like well, it's not real enough for you yeah not I am not real enough for you. for you it was real enough for Georgie there's moments in there where it's like I got goosebumps actually just like Woo! calling that because yeah. it's, it's a great real, scene. real stuff. It's a great scene where you it, it it gets into the the realism of this like super out there character and right. it's like scary clowns like that like you don't see them walking around every day but they're able to I mean, position it. We have in recent years. Oh well, yeah, and they, <laughs> people are being assholes. <laughs> but uh, they they really get something in that first scene with him in the sewer. And I've said that to some people and they say that it might be because it, like there's that whole He's like drooling. There's that whole like child predator aspect. Oh my to god, it, where like it's like that. he's the like light in his light blue eyes. And his and li- he's I like, love his eyes being light blue. Yeah, they should be light blue. They are the way things. more They're, striking. Yeah. And, and actually his like drool coming how out of his, his mouth. eyes are going in different directions. Oh, like one of his pupils is totally fucked up. It I, looks like he's had a stroke. I figured much. it out in this one. In, uh, in the in the when I watched the second time, uh, when his eye is doing that, I swear to God, and I haven't double checked this. One eye is looking at the person he's talking to, and the other eye is looking directly at the camera, you which is so? us. Whoa. Yes. That's a good... Especially in the first one, because I noticed yeah. it in the first one. And then I was like, it's really crazy, because, like... That makes it way what more disturbing. What a weird thing to use CGI on. And I looked it up. It's not CGI. Bill Skarsgård can do that. Oof. He can push it. He can push his eye over there. That can't be Aunt, good for him. Uh, Andy uh, Muschietti? 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 Andy Machete. It should be Machete if he's going to direct I mean, he's directing horror. But he said, he said like he wanted to do this thing with the eyes. Um, and I guess Bill Skarsgård was just like, oh, no, I can do that. And showed him. 
and you're just like, oh, well, well, yeah. there it is. And so that's that's insane. But I really, I really think I'd like to double check and see if they actually do that, where it is looking, one eye is looking at Directly us, the audience, camera. and the other eye is looking at the other person. So I think that that would kind of play as this thing where it's like yeah. you're naturally afraid of this person because like half of them is kind of like transcending the celluloid and looking at you yeah, and like getting at you. So that first time viewing the new 2017 version, you know, because I had seen the original, I want to say I felt that it on first viewing was less scary to me. On the first viewing? Yeah, of it, of the new one. But the parts that I did find particularly scary or disturbing were more like the the real life violence and fear aspects like the um henry bowers bully scenes were way more intense in the new version i love henry bowers he was awesome oh, yeah, like how by like him actually cutting into ben's belly mm-hmm. which you know that's going to come up in the second one he's going to have a scar, he's gonna have a scar. H, right which is why how i know henry bowers is not dead i i mean he he's not dead in the original yeah, I so mean, that's not really survived, a spoiler. What but, the hell? But that fall—that's the—that's a question that I had for you. Was do you think he's dead? He can't. But be. he can't be. He right? can't be because they need to use him again. It's not just so much like that's what's in the book, or that's what they need to do. It's the reason they put that H yeah. on Ben's stomach he's is so much that branding him. is so that you know, good-looking Ben. I'm coming for you. When 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 it's yeah. when when we see twenty-seven years later. And Ben is no longer the short, kind of chubby kid. Right. And he's probably going to be, like, some, like, nice, beefy, good-looking dude. Who do you think's going to play him? We should talk about that at some point. We could fan cast yeah, later on. Yeah, cast. But you know, like, there's going to be a scene where he, like, gets back. Chris Pratt. And, and, and he's going to look, <laughs> uh, he's going to, he's going to, like, look under his, he's going to, he's going to get the, 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 the six-pack reveal yeah and he's gonna look at how thin he is and he's gonna have the h scar yeah no i mean i love the the real life violence like the bullying not just ben but mike oh Uh, i just realized wait i'm so sorry what the way they carve the h it could heal to spell it i mean it could lowercase i lowercase t without the one cross from the T. It could. That, uh, hey, now. It could. Cool. They'll probably do that. And um, if they don't. They should. Now they will. Yeah. But, yeah, just the the plot violence of, of real life. Like, I mean, we can touch on this again later, but, like, the whole really going into it with Bev's dad being, I mean, there's, you know, there's some stuff. There's some shit that they did not really touch on they they like barely touched on in the 1990s version like in the 1990s version bev's dad smacks her around mm-hmm. and it's we can more of maybe, a physically abusive thing yeah even in the 90s that whole idea of this kind of sexual abuse was still very taboo right especially for a tv movie right you know so they were kind of like and eh, why don't we just make it where he's he's super fucking he was jealous. Me. He was like manipulative and jealous, and he, he's he, got like, some lines in this yeah. in this new one too that just like really make your skin crawl. It really freaks you the fuck out because that's real. So that's what's terrifying. So like, uh, there's fewer things more terrifying realistically in movies, whether they're horror movies or not, where you know that somebody 
is outwardly abusive, but they still have this caring dynamic that they feel that they need to have, such as saying, I worry about you, Bev. I yeah, worry about or you just a lot. how he would touch her hair. Right, and you're like just like... Being gentle, but take, Taking the touch of a father to a daughter when it's supposed to be protective and yeah. just completely demonizing it. Uh, There's like a really horrifying thing to that where this is supposed to be the safest place that you can be yeah. and it's actually the most dangerous. And being like, you're still my little girl, yeah. aren't you? Tell me who and you that's, are. And that transcends too. Like she, Hers is definitely the most aggressive definitely. of them all, but all of them have very like bad home lives that we get to see, you know. Uh, In one way or another. Well, yeah, not as bad, aggressive but, yeah. as hers, but like, you know, uh, uh, Bill's parents can't seem to communicate with him enough to be able to explain like Georgie's gone. Right. They need to hide it and subvert it to the point where they got to just scream at him. He's dead. Right. Stan's dad is just like not willing to actually try and be like, all right, so how do we get you to be able to learn? The Torah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, he's just embarrassed by him. He's and, like, well, how's it going to look right. if and, I'm the rabbi? You, yeah. And even, I mean, me. like Mike's parents are dead. Right. And he's got the only really real uh, parental figure in the movie because they live outside the town. They're not in there. And that's there. his grandpa? That's supposed to be it's his grandpa. It's his grandpa, yeah. Okay. And he's, because they live outside the town because he understands that Derry is cursed. And so right. he's the only one who's got like a straight head on where he's just like, yeah, that's some weird shit going on in that town. So there was, so, there was a few things that I wanted to, to like pick your brain about. And one of them was, you know, to kind of go through the characters and talk about the original version. I mean, these root beer floats are actually pretty good. It's Sorry, really, really say. good. I, just, I, I don't saw you that. drinking that, yeah. but I'm gonna drink a little bit of that too. Okay. Pretty good, but like I want to go through the characters a little bit, talk about how they were originally represented and how they are in the new one, and you know what I liked, what you liked, what we maybe kind of missed out from the original. But I also like, you know, you touched on it a little bit. This idea of Stephen King or Original Recipe like has that 50s nostalgia, which is the time period. And now, I know you had wanted to talk about the current movie happening in the 80s and a little bit of the, like people's 80s nostalgia, which is happening now. People our age or a little older because that's when they were young. Or right? Yeah, yeah. We talked. We talked about that kind of off-branded. I think, like you know, with the like the idea of like Stranger Things and. You know, even when you start getting into movies like, you know, The Guest, right. which like really hypes up some like 80s mentality of uh, horror films and stuff. I like it, it's I, we're getting to a point now in big Hollywood and small movie making where the people that are writing and making and producing movies, they were, you know, of this age in the 80s where that's what they know. You know, uh, the the episode of Black Mirror's Henjin Perro really kind of points out this idea of if you could be in any timeline that you wanted, where would you like to be? And yeah. more often than not, when it's the timeline like that you, when you were a teenager. Right. When you, or like in your late teens, early 20s, like that's the moment where it's, where everything is freeing and where fresh. You, yeah, where you deemed it simpler times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's always simpler times to the people that are living in it. Sure. And the longer you're, the longer you live, the more you have to compare the time you're in to. And so you're always going to have these things. It's the grass is greener aspect. Sure. The longer you live, you know, uh, the, the greener the grass can be back then. So were there you have more to compare everything to. 
Were there things about the original being set in the 50s that you liked better or worse than it being set in the 80s now? I'll tell you, man, like the Henry Bowers thing as a greaser works way more. And also with a the, knife the and everything theme like that. of racism. Right. Is and way I more say prevalent that it's, it's in the It's very, 50s. very odd that they never bring up the fact that Henry Bowers, who was supposed to be this despicable person, never brings up the fact that Mike is black. Yeah, because that is definitely the reason that he picks on Mike in the original. It's that And in the book him, as well, I remember and, yeah. this, is in the book, it's the only source of love, or I guess not even love, the only source of like connection that Henry Bowers can have with his father, because his, fa- the connect- his character in the book is way bigger. Because I read... In the book, is his dad still a police officer? I don't believe so, no. Oh, okay. I think he's like he's a... just like uh, crazy redneck? Yeah, he's just like a dude. He's okay. like a factory worker or something, but... Okay. And, he, and he's um, emotionally and physically abusive to the entire family, but the only thing that he can really connect with his son about is um, the racism, the <gasps> hatred of black people, and... Oh, Henry, at least that brought them together. Right, and Henry Bowers, only, there's only one black kid, really, in right. Derry, and that's Mike. And, that's and it what, is set in Maine, what so leads him to, yeah. to be honest, that's believable. Uh, but I will tell you, man, like, I really, you know, for all of the, the, the grunt and the dirt and the gritty stuff that this new one does, um, you know, I, I really think that that should have come up. Yeah. You know, I think that there's some great stuff already. When Henry Bowers, when he says in his first scene, he tells Bill, he's like, you got a free ride this year because of your brother. Right. Free ride's over. And then he says, like, we'll see you later. And he licks, he just licks his hand and, and just wipes it on his and face. wipes on his face. That act, that's what bullies really are. Totally. In real life, bullies can't get away with some of the shit that they do in movies. Yeah, because you, you would actually get caught. You can get caught. Like, in the 50s, you'd get away with that shit because right. people were more just like, hey, you're just a kid, you'll move on. In the 80s, there was already, like, this kind of culture where it was like, you'd get you know, sent to an asshole. Yeah. yeah. But you can do shit like that. And there's, like, uh, later on, when, um, which I think the most aggressive form of bullying is when the girl fucking writes loser. On um, his past. past. Yeah. That's what bullies do. I mean, the whole sequence early on with Bev in the bathroom and the girls filling up a trash can with water and dumping the wet trash on her. That's some serious fucked up shit. And girls are crazy. But you would have expected that. I've had trash dumped on me. Yeah. When I was in middle school. That's awful. But did they get in trouble? No. So no one found out? Well, because I didn't tell them. Did you get in trouble for being wet? dirty in class. Well, no, they didn't, like, put water and they just, like, dumped the trash on me in All the right. bathroom in between classes, but yeah. you don't tell on them because then it's just going to get worse. In high school, the, idea of the janitor, Mr. Hogan, R.I.P., he, he put a kid in the trash can. The janitor put a kid in the trash can? And that was sort of awesome. Wow. Like a, like a like an asshole kid? Yeah. Good. Yeah. He was a good dude. Scary, I mean, but a good dude. A grown man putting a kid into a trash can. He's a role model. It's all about context. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what do you want to, uh, what do you want to do next? What do you want to talk about next? Should we, uh, I mean, we got a lot here to cover. I, I think we're pretty good on a break for a little bit. We're okay. We're yeah, all right. we'll, 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 let's get one more little thing in and then we'll take a break. All right. So I kind of wanted to just kind of look at some of the characters okay. and kind of 
work through a little bit of how, you know, who played them in the original mm-hmm. and who's playing them now mm-hmm. and what we like about the character or what the actor's bringing to that character. Okay. Well, I guess that's probably a better time than any to just get it out there. Why everybody came here. Which do you like better? Oh, film? Which film do you like better? Hmm. Which do you like better? You know, I... I That's a tough question. It's got to be the new one. It's got to be the new one. it's tighter. It is tighter, but it's also half the story. It's half the story, but also the second half of the other one is like... Is the weaker half. Is lame. Is the, is and the that's, tail I side of the they coin. they really have an opportunity here with the second part to like really nail it home. All right, so before getting into the characters, then like, well, maybe this will just kind of come up organically, but I'd like to talk about why the second half in the original is kind of the weaker half. Like why we still like that kid version better. Go. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things about it being made for TV that I know, you know, I kind of hope that they'll take a newer version and really run with it. I mean, the new version of the kid version that we've just watched is a lot more grounded in realism. And despite seeing this supernatural being, I like how it kind of tackles each character's individual fears and goes with it. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that's how we're introduced to them yeah, in this way. Like in, yeah. in the original miniseries, we're introduced to the kids by getting a call from 1990 Mike. Mike. Like, it's back. Yeah. And then they think back to like, oh, this is what I was, this is when I met it. In this one, it's more, what are they scared of? Yeah. And I'll tell you, I picked up a little bit more on some really cool background stuff the second time I saw it. Oh, I have something I want to talk to you guys okay. about. Awesome. Okay. About but one of them, too. I think that it, in the new one, centering it just around the kids, it makes the story tighter. And Definitely. the fact that, you know, it is a character that likes to eat kids. He eats people. He doesn't go after adults. Or not typically. Not typically. He does. But he likes, he likes kids because fear sultans the meat. And yeah. kids are more afraid than adults so he's like okay that's why i actually think that it's never even it's never overtly stated but i think the reason in this new version that he picks the losers club is because they are isolated of their own choice right nobody calls in the losers club themselves that's true and i think it's because when he first shows up he eats Georgie. Georgie is the... I think that Georgie in this version is the first victim after his 27-year slumber. I think that he's woken up and that's why it's it's like he, he shows up and it's yellow eyes. And then as he comes up, it's blue. They turn blue. Okay. And he's drooling because he's so hungry. He hasn't eaten for 27 years. Yikes. And he's just like... And Georgie even says, he's like, Bill's going to kill me. And then he meets it. He meets Pennywise. Yeah. And Pennywise is like, Ooh, where's your brother? He's like, I bet you got a lot of friends. He springs up. He's like, you look like such a sweet boy. I bet you got a lot of friends. I want to eat you and I want to eat all your friends. Oof. Who are your friends? And right. he's like, oh, I got three, but Bill's my favorite. And he's like, Bill's your brother. And then, you know, months later, after eating a bunch of other people, he starts fucking around 
yeah. with the Losers Club. Right. As and I, I like I I think that there's like gotta, he thinks they're gonna be the most scared. I think that he's like I've allowed these kids to really marinate in the fear of kids missing and going yeah. missing all over the place. And I think that's why Richie is the last one that he reveals himself to because Richie is the one that seems to be the only one um, unconcerned with kids disappearing. Richie's the one that's always the first to drop a joke or make light of the situation. Yeah. Even when other ones are like, dude, something tried to kill me. He's like, what can only virgins see this stuff? A waka waka. But I kind of think that was a direct, I mean, the guys talked about it in the hot take, and I feel like that was oh, yeah, yeah. a They're total, total I, reference I think that's to totally that a reference, yeah. Creepy that, fucking sequence of the book, so. Oh, the the or, the, the weird orgy. Child orgy. Sequence. Which, yeah. Which, which I'm happy that they left out. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, director. We don't need that. We don't, we don't need, need that. It. We don't no. need that. That's And Stephen King has even come out and said, he's just like, look, it was a different time. Yeah. I was dealing... When, when he wrote it... He was on a lot of coke? And it actually... No, no, no. It actually makes a lot of sense. He probably was. It actually makes a lot of sense in how the how the book plays out is the book is very much about this idea of childhood and adulthood. Right. And this scene comes at the very end, the very middle ground. It's supposed to be that they've defeated it and they can't find their way they've out. They've defeated it and they can't find their way out because they're already starting to lose memory of what happened. Because that's a thing that it also has a power over. It's pretty wild. Which is why everybody in Derry doesn't, why the adults don't do anything. They forget about the missing children until another one misses and they just put it up over and they do that. And is that what you think? They You think they forget about the They kids? forget, yeah, because, because they don't care. Because in the old version, I kind of forgot about that plot point that all the adult versions of the kids they forget, yeah. don't actually remember what and happened that's, to them. And that's what I was building up to with the original question here, which is uh, why it's bet why it's scarier with kids, yeah, is because it feeds on kids. They're easier to scare. True. And as you become older, it becomes less interested in eating you and just wants to keep you docile. Wants to keep you away. Keep it you wants quiet. To eat the kids. Yeah. And so the older you get, as you enter puberty, as you become an adult, you forget. And after all of these kids have now faced their literal and metaphorical fear in it, they start forgetting what they are. And Bev, in the book, is the smartest one of all of them. She kind of is a mixture of the Bill leader character as well. It's kind of them that are leading the pack. Hmm. But even Bill, in this sense, like he's losing it because he doesn't know what to do. But Bev is the one who has already gone through her own adult change because she's recently had her period. Yeah, her she's, first, she's going through puberty. She's going through puberty. So she's, she's already the, way older with having right. a dad who's sexually abused. Exactly. She's yeah. she know she can grasp onto the adult world and the child world better than the other ones can. Uh, and so this is what he's getting at. So is gross. it the right way to do it? No. Absolutely not. Yeah. You like you hear that and you just everybody's <laughs> like, wait, why would he why would yeah, he do that? So. And it's really funny because I found out about that back in, oh God, I don't know, like over 10 years ago. Really? I found out about the- I didn't know that until thing. you brought it up. Yeah. And it's like- That blew my mind. It's always been one of these little tiny things. It's like, oh yeah, you know that movie It with Tim Curry? Did you know that in the book, Ugh. it was like this anecdote 
where you'd be like, why, why would he do that? And then you can link that up to other really weird shit that Stephen King does because at the end of the day, the literary form is way more open to interpretation sure. than film. It's different to, you know, read a book and it's over a thousand pages long and in it are these three paragraphs where uh, six boys have sex with one girl who is willing right. with this whole thing. And apparently it's one after the other. It's, it's one like, after the other. Yeah. Which So, like, people have called it the gangbang. Technically, it's, it's a train. Yeah. It's what it is. I know. Sorry. I apologize. It's just, you know, I'm just going to get our... Get it out of the way. We're going to get, get our right here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking horrible. I can't yeah. probably even say that. I need another drink. <laughs> we do need another drink. So, But I do think that that's what he was getting at. And he even understands. He's like, this was supposed to be a way where it, it, it bridges the childhood and the adulthood. Um aspects of the story it together so that when they get back together when they're adults that's how they're able to link up and be able to remember is because they all shared this moment down in the sewer immediately after beating it that allowed them to become adults in that moment so when they're yeah. adults later that's a very how they're able to formative remember. experience right yeah. and that's and that's what he's getting at because everybody remembers that Ugh. and but at the same time you know there's the whole idea is like is it exploitation is it is it weird i mean it is weird it's totally weird and it's it is totally exploitation it's, it's just very odd and i wonder if it would be different if it was coming from a female writer who was as prolific as stephen king because that's one way of doing it but i think at the end of the day because it's it's a group of seven friends one's a girl and the other six are boys. Right, the dad totally says that. Like, and oh, I've heard I love people that. talking about you that's running around with this group of boys. That. Because I honestly feel like everybody... And she says they're just friends, dad. I feel like like most women in this world, when they were younger, and they were just trying to make friends, if they were hanging out with a group of boys... Yeah, you get called that a slut. That starts happening. Yeah. You know? That's and it's, And that's Bev's whole thing in this, is that she's been called, like, she sleeps around. Like, I really, I really do kind of like the idea how they take Bev's character instead of kind of being this introverted, quiet mouse. They turn her into like this kind of She's the rebellious, yeah. yeah, this kind of Molly Ringwald. I know. I kind of love that reference to her. Like yeah, he calls it like he sees it. Put, putting the the setting in the eighties, that was pretty perfect. Yeah, you know, that's like breaking the wall right there, referencing mm. the stuff, and then well, like the even one, referencing the movies that are the posters that are in Bill's. The posters. Yeah. You got Gremlins and Beetlejuice yeah. in there, and uh, the movie theater and stuff yep. like that. I will say this too: Nightmare on Elm Street Five. Being on there, have you ever seen, you've never seen Five, right? I think we've talked about this. I don't think I have. Okay. Do you want to know what Nightmare on Elm Street 5 is about? We'll do this real quick and then we'll take a break. All right. Sounds good. Nightmare on Elm Street 5. That being in the movie is my reasoning for they should never have turned Bev into a damsel in distress. I want to talk about that with you later. Okay, yeah. so we'll talk about that later. That's a, one of the big beefs I have with the one movie. One of the things that, and it's right there, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 is the fifth installment in the Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And in 5, rules have already been laid down throughout the previous four that uh, Freddy Krueger gets into dreams and he is the dream master. Right. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, dream master. Nightmare on Elm Street 5 is dream warriors where there are a bunch of kids in a hot, in a mental hospital 
that are all plagued with bad dreams of Freddy Krueger, and they all realize that they can fight back against him if they work together and use his powers against him. Right on. Why didn't we have a scene of these seven kids watching Nightmare on sneaking well, into Nightmare on Elm Street 5 just like they do in the miniseries where the they thing. go see Wolfman? That's what I missed about the original, that whole scene of them going to see the Wolfman, and that's what Rich right. is afraid of. And then they can go see it. They go see Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and they realize they have that we don't need moment. to be afraid right. of this monster. We can fight back against it. Yeah. And like it's right there. It totally is. I it's mean, right there. Yeah. And I and I definitely miss that sequence of, you know, that kind of showed Richie standing up to the bullies in the original. They go to the movies, they see the Wolfman, he like mm. dumps popcorn from the balcony. Down. Yeah, I guess it's more it's more Bill that stands up to the bullies in this one because he's yeah. the one right off the bat yeah. and he's like, You suck bowers. Right. So I mean in the in the original, Richie is more of like the poker pusher to the bullies. And he also is in the original one, Stan. The character of Stan is the last to see it. He's the one yes. who actually doesn't believe. He's like, I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. It can't be real. It's not real. Well, technically, too, he is in this one. I mean, he kind because of is. Because he only but... sees the woman with the flute. Yeah. He doesn't see it until the uh, projection scene. Right. And I is... I want to talk more about Bev and Damsel in Distress. Right. And I want to talk about right. Stan's fears because I have a really good you're totally right. Yeah, to let's get into like the specifics of the characters and some other stuff. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna dive a little bit more into it. Right on. Into it. Into it. Into it. Into it. Stephen King's adaptation of it. Andy Machetes. Andy Muschietti. Muschietti's. Muschietti's it. Mamma mia. Andre. Muschietti. Andre Muschietti. Muschietti. Everybody's right. listening. Right. Okay, we're trying. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this great episode of Story Screen Presents, where we're talking about it. But if you're not getting enough of it, you can jump on over to Hot Takes, where Jack, Robbie, and Jeremy took a nice, good, fresh look at the 2017 film, the night it came out, uh, and just hit the mic real nice and quick, nice and hot. And talked about it, nudged out exactly how they felt about it. It's a really great episode. They get a little bit more deeper into how the It 2017 movie really works and how it doesn't and its flaws and its advantages and all that stuff. So definitely jump on over and check that out as well if you really dig this. Uh, All right, so let's get back to it. Like literally, It. Let's get back to It. I think we're going to dive right back into it here and talk about... What is it? 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 Can we talk about the deadlights, too? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, all right. So I don't have the greatest of knowledge on... Get a little bit more what, than me, what, though. ...what's going on. Yeah, but I, I looked up a little bit of what it is, of what it is... All right, so let's, uh, in in very uh, small brass tacks, um, there's something out there 
that created everything. And this thing created the macroverse, which is a place, dimension, that is unknown to time and space or quantity or mass or anything. And in that was created a being that was meant to create and a being that was meant to consume. So you have creation okay. and consumption. Destroy. Creation is a really nice turtle, which I think goes by the name of Matarin or something like that. Oh. And consumption is it. Or um, the swallower, like the eater of worlds. Or Bob Gray. Oh, as really? he's been known to be called as well. He gets like a real person name. He gets a real person name. Huh. Um, Not Pennywise. And, or Pennywise, the dancing clown. Um, huh. And so as, as the story goes, uh, consumption, which is it, uh, was just like going around consuming a bunch of shit that um, creation, Maturin, was making. And it was kind of this balance. Uh, one would create, one would consume, and everything would just kind of be balanced out. And then at some point, uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, it uh, crashed into our planet in our realm and lay docile sleeping until 1750-ish when um, settlers came on in and killed a bunch of Native Americans. Oh, and that's the and it, historical reference to that whole yes, and settlement it, and disappearing. Yes, and the act of violence and hate woke him up, woke it up, and he came about and he, like, devoured all of the residents. And he was, huh. like, 90 settlers or something like that. Yeah. And then every 27 years he would come back and devour more and eventually found that he had a taste for children because they were always much more afraid of him right before he ate them. Huh. And that's what that's where the line comes from, where it's like fear sultans the meat, and I like I like everybody to be afraid when I can eat them. Now there is speculation, and I think the new movie kind of feeds into that, where it's you, he can't eat you unless you're afraid. It's almost like the way that he went about consuming people kind of made like rules for it, less appealing. Right. I think that in the beginning it didn't have any rules or boundaries that it needed to abide by to be able to consume, but by its own design, accidentally created these rules. Huh. One of which is really, really cool, um, which they never overtly refer to in uh, either the miniseries or the movie, and it might not even be referred to so much in the book, but I think in the book a little bit. Um, it needs to follow whatever rules whatever bodily rules of the being that it inhabits. Oh, so, so if it's a dancing like clown, represented. Yeah, it can't fly sure. or walk through walls. Um, and if it's a werewolf, you shoot it with a silver bullet, it will die. Huh. If it's a vampire, if you show it across, it'll get scared. Stuff like that. Okay. And that's what kind of, and I think that that's because it, it started basing itself on fear it started garnering these rules and therefore to also cannot consume unless the people that it's consuming are afraid. And that's kind of cool because that kind of works well with the end sequence of the new film when they finally start working together, fighting back. And 
Bill is aiming that kind of like whatever type of gun that, that Mike had that's used on livestock. Mm, a sheep killing gun. Yeah. I the, guess you would it's call like, it. It's like blanks. It reminded me of it's like uh, a, a Javier Bardem in uh, No Country for Old Men. <laughs> yeah. No, a yeah, terrifying. It's, it's like, the, it's the rod that goes yeah. in. You just, you, so you, you like use to kill cattle and stuff like that. Um, Which, can we real quick with Mike? Wait, wait, wait. But, you want to get to that? Okay, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, but, let's get uh, to that. Yeah. But, uh, but the whole sequence of the kids not being afraid, it's like, Mike's like, there's, there's no bullet. It's not loaded. But Bill believes it is, mm-hmm. which it's, is it's, which is what blows it's like half the, uh, of the it asthma head inhaler from the first one. I know I kind of missed that, but it's we like, can I get believe, into that too. Because I believe it's battery acid. It is. It is, right. and it burns his face. That's how they're able to beat right. it. Because that's them being brave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's whatever you believe, because fear is just an exaggerated, specific form of belief. True. You are afraid of something because you believe that it can hurt you. Right. And they're able to turn it against it at the end. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's pretty much what I know about it. I mean, that's why there, there, there are a couple, uh, turtle nods in the new movie. So in the old one, there is that weird sequence where there's like the the lights flying over them Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like the underbelly of the turtle Mm -hmm. when they're in the sewers. Right. But there's nothing like that in the new one. No. And I know that, um, but there's those references. The director had said that he wanted to save. All right. So, Kerry Fukunaga originally wrote the script for the new It. Okay. And this is the guy of True Detective Season 1 fame. Even though Season 2 is, like, you know, pretty good, too. Season 1 is great. And <laughs> uh, it's your first True Detective Season 2 joke. Here we go. Here but I've heard yeah. them. Yeah. Not even on podcasts, too. That's true. Kerry <laughs> um, Fukunaga uh, wrote a script with his friend. Um, and... They were all set to make it, and apparently, uh, Kerry Fukunaga is to thank for the film's dark tone and the fact they really wanted to go crazy with it, the fact they wanted to keep it just the kids in the first part, which I like, right? And but apparently, he wanted to go very insane with the darkness of it because the book is extremely dark, the book has a lot of terrible things in it. Great example would be, um, the character of Patrick, who oh, is yeah. in the, the, one of the bullies, the bully that gets taken in the new hit. Um, he has a whole scene where he suffocates his younger brother, his like child, like, baby. baby brother. Yeah. Um, and he apparently abuses Henry Bowers. And he, abu- well, there's a scene that hints at the original it book has a lot tone. of homoerotic tones to it that deal with both homophobia as being this awakener of it. That okay. the acts that bring it about in um, 1990 in the book, like 27 years after the Losers Club deals with him, is this act of hate against this um, openly gay kid. Um, Whereas in when they're kids, it's more racism. It's more racism Mike. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very much this prejudice towards your own man. Sure. That like this kind of innate thing that some people just can't seem to shake. Okay. Uh, fear of the other, you know, people that are just very afraid. And unfortunately for some people, they are just extremely afraid of people that are different than them. Right. And racism sexuality and gender are three of just like the obvious things that are out there for somebody to judge you and be afraid of you for whether and those or not still it's... come into play in the new version it's right. just slightly different right yeah and we'll yeah. definitely get into that more especially with eddie yeah. 
yeah. later on when we get in. But um, his yeah, he he uh, Patrick's character. They're looking for the losers, and I I thought they were gonna do it in this new one because it's all set up that they're by the sewers, they're in the woods, they're looking for the losers, and a bunch of the other uh, bullies run off and look for them. And Henry and Patrick are looking for them, and Patrick actually, um, for lack of a better term, um, Oops. no, no, he 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 more implies uh, sexual behavior between him and Henry when no one's looking. Oh, he's like, why don't we? Hmm. From my understanding, oh. and and Henry is just like no and, like, runs away or something like that, and then Patrick is left alone, and that's when it finds him. Huh. Finds Patrick and kills him. Okay. Um, again, I, I haven't read the book in full. That's just a tidbit that I picked up on. Yeah, because I had read something where it was sort of implied that he was actually a bully in a way to hang out. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that actually makes like more pretty, sense. he was, like, pretty deviant, and that it's supposed to be in the new version. Because he's supposed to be really fucked up Yeah, in the book. and it's supposed to be, like, when they pass that path of them in the hallway that there's, like, a little nod to it where he, like, licks his lips when he's, like, looking at Richie, when he's looking at Finn Wolfhard, you know, portraying new Richie, mm-hmm. before he's like, oh, you think we'll sound like your book? And they yeah. kind of, like, laugh it off. But he's a creep. Yeah, I think they simplified it just for... Time. <laughs> I think more so, too, like, this is a movie that is made for the most audience that it can get right this is a horror movie that is like we are going to try and appeal to the most masses that we can we're not going to torture porn them with saw stuff and Which i appreciate right because that stuff is like you know i like it because it is what it is Man, and i know that i'm in for it that arm in the beginning that arm Georgie. in the beginning that i mean but that's like that's supposed to be like a real devastating yeah. act of violence where you're like this is what happens this thing kills children it wants to kill children. And finding an actor that can portray Georgie as both like the cute, harmless, charming little kid, and then also with that creepy smile yeah. and everything that later comes on. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, the second time I saw it, uh, last night, I I teared up at the end when, when Georgie approaches Bill. Oh yeah. I mean you're I meant to. Up, you're meant to. Like, it's it just I think it just hit me more where Bill this has been Bill's struggle the whole time. Because in the original miniseries, Bill's he knows that Georgie's dead. So the, yeah, that, he wants to know why. So and can this we new ta- one, can we talk about Bill then as a character? Because that's like yeah, one you want to bre- you want to break in the character. Yeah, because Let's do it. that's like one of the big defining things is that the old version they find Georgie's body. He's missing an arm, but they find Georgie's body, and the opening sequence of the new one. Yeah, and has they them going to Georgie's funeral. They don't show it. They just show, like, it, it's, like, grabs his arm, and Georgie screams, and then you get that shot of Tim Curry, like... With his giant yeah. teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his And scary then it cuts teeth. to black, and it's just like, oh, they ripped his arm off. And, and Georgie's dead. And, and Georgie's we know dead. Georgie's dead. And in a way... Bill's whole thing is, yeah. That's the thing. So, yeah, I didn't want to cut you off. You were mm-hmm. talking about it, but, mm-hmm. like, so... I was cutting you off, dude. No, you go. No, but, like, the the thing that kind of bothers me about the new one is I feel like Bill as the leader of the losers was definitely a little bit stronger in the original in the miniseries because he knew that his brother was dead and he felt like 
He didn't want that to happen to anyone else. Mm -hmm. Whereas this new version of Bill has him still holding out some hope that his brother's still alive mm -hmm. and not really willing to accept that his brother's probably dead. I think it's a good choice to do that in the new one because you think so? it gives Bill, who, it makes him who is our main way. character, essentially. Kind of, but not really. He's our leader character. He's the one that we open with. He's the one that we spend the most time with. He is. If you want to go from yeah. like frame one to last frame. Yeah. And I think that it gives his character a little bit more of an arc where he learns that Georgie is dead. And that's what gives his speech at the end, promise promise me you'll all come back. Because right. he's like, I just went through this thing with you guys. And you were all telling me that Georgie was dead. And I knew it, but I couldn't bring myself to believe it. But finally, I was able to face my fear right. in a literal way. And I understand that he's dead. Promise me that you'll come back if this ever happens again. So that nobody, so it won't happen what, what happened to Georgie won't happen to anybody else right. ever again. And I think that that's good because the Jonathan Brandis oh, man. character, who but died at 27, by the way. He's my big, favorite. Big deal. I'm sorry. I got to say, all right, new version, Jaden, I'm going to mess up your last name, Lieberher. 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 Yeah. Um, of Midnight Special Fame. Right. So I haven't seen St. Vincent. I'd still like to. Apparently mm -hmm. he's a little boy with Bill Murray and St. Vincent. But He's great in Midnight Special. But he's great in Midnight Special. And I know he's kind of, I really enjoyed him in this new version. He does an awesome job. Him and Sophia Lillis, who played Bev, have really great chemistry. And I think it's a lot more believable in this new one that he also has a crush on her. Whereas in the original version... Jonathan Brandis was like a little bit more shell-shocked version of having lost his brother. And he's still stuttering and he's still sort of the de facto leader, but it's not as believable to me that him and Bev liked each other. I think that they were going for a thing in that in the original and it just didn't land as well. It really did In didn't. this one, they really pushed it to the front. Yeah. Which I think is great because it highlights one of my favorite parts of the new one, which is with, with Ben and Bev. Right. Which we'll get to. Yeah. yeah. So... But I got a soft spot for Jonathan Brandis. But his delivery of that speech, just like, where he's just like, promise me. Promise me you all come back. It's like, the way that it's written and the tone of the film at that point, you couldn't expect any kid that age to be able to give that emotion. Right. And the way, the reason that it works in this one is because we have just seen Bill go from, my brother's alive, we have to find him, we've been looking for him. Yeah. All year and into summer and And him believing he knows, he knows that he's dead. There's no way that he could be alive. But because he's a kid, he's afraid of accepting it. And because right. there's doubt, he knows that he needs to keep trying because he he says it, he's like, if I was Georgie or um or the, the other, other girl, girl that goes missing, yeah. I would want us to find me. Right. And he wants to keep going. And it's when he finally realizes that it has been using Georgie against him this whole time and will continue doing that. That's what's very important about him using the that, that, that pressure blast gun on Georgie yeah. the first time. Because he just says, he's like, nothing would make me happier than to take you home. 
Right. But you're not my brother. Exactly. And that's, I think that gives way more weight to his speech at the end. That's going, that's a big speech. It's I agree. Yeah. It's, it's the important. catalyst for the entire second part of the story. No, you're right. Movie or you're not. right. I just kind of felt like initially it makes him seem like less of a leader to these other guys. Absolutely. And it also, it kind of fuels like his disbelief or, or pretending to not believe that Georgie's dead, not being willing to accept it is the whole fuel for him and Richie to like come to blows, which I felt like, you know, I don't know if that happened in the book, but it definitely didn't happen in the original version of the film. It's definitely good for Richie and Bill to get in a fight because they are the two quasi leaders of the group. Sort of. Richie yeah. is the one that everybody will, t- Eddie turns to, Stan turns to. Yeah. Uh, because he's the outspoken one. He's right. the one who's like, there's, he's the no, trash there's, mouth. No, there's no leader for Richie. Richie's yeah. just, he is the leader of the group, regardless of what everybody else thinks. So yeah. it makes sense for them to be the ones that would come to blows. Yeah. Um, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Thomas plays Bill in the the adult, the adult version. version who yeah. is you like him on the Americans, the Ameri- which I haven't oh seen, but I need God. to start watching that. So he's absolutely He's got a sweet little ponytail oh, in 1990. Sweet? sweet? Nah, I don't sweet? know. Sarcasm. Call it that? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not good. That is one of the I'm hoping they leave that out. It's a rat tail. Seen. I actually kind of hope they do do it. Uh, because Bill having a ponytail in like 2019, which would be when like, or I guess it would actually be 2016, right? Yeah, it'd be, be 2016. The, yeah, people that have ponytails in 2016 are assholes. Oof. No offense to a demographic that have ponytails. You're probably very sweet people, but right. if I didn't know you and I saw you had a ponytail and it's 2016, I'd be like, what are you, Richard Thomas from 1990s It or something here? <laughs> but I kind of wonder, and you know, we can talk about this later, when they have the new version where they're adults, they've kind of tied up the 2017 film with the kids with this great chemistry between Bill and Beverly. Do you think they're going to still stick to the original story where Bill comes back as an adult being married? He's got to be married. And Has to be. Beverly ends up falling in love with Ben, who's had a crush on her is, all these years. Is he married or is he engaged? I think that's supposed to be his wife. His wife yeah. or his fiance? I think it's his wife. Either I think way, I, like I think a, it's really important that... I mean, I don't know. I adult, mean, it seems important in the miniseries yeah, that so a, she shows up and adult, it's like... yeah. Yeah, Adult Bill is a famous horror story writer. With a really shitty ponytail. With a really terrible ponytail. And he's like obsessed with writing horror. And then some of his stories get made into movies. And she's the producer or director. I forget how he, his wife comes into play. I think she's his agent. She helps. She's like, also involved. In yeah, the, she's involved. In the film she, process. She, he, he, she's like helping him, uh, like meet up with people that would. I think she's like linking him to producers. Okay. So I think she's in like the film world because he's trying to work on a screenplay right. when we meet him. Right. And he's having a hard time finishing it. Yeah. And so yeah, in the like second version, he would, he would probably be. I I think that they're not going so far. I think in this new version, they're not going with him as a writer. He says he doesn't like poetry. I think they're going with him as an artist because he drew that picture hmm. of her. He drew a nice picture of Beth. Yeah, I think yeah. that he's probably going to be an artist, which is a little bit more inclined because... He's a little bit more In 2016, yeah. uh, social media culture, 
Everybody's a writer. Maybe he's a comic book artist. Who knows? He might be a comic book artist. That makes sense, yeah. Writing some scary graphic novels. Yeah, I'd imagine that's probably where they go. Yeah. Uh, so this seems like a pretty good base here, starting with Bill. So then let, ending Bill's discussion. I wanted to talk about Bev. Well, no, ending. so ending Bill's discussion then, who would you like to play Bill? In the new one? In the new one. Now, I think we should get off the bat. Me and you have discussed before. Yeah. We'd like them all to be virtually unknowns. That's in the, the question. New That's all what right, I would audience. like. All right, audience. But what? as we go down the line and we talk about all the all, all the different characters and the different iterations they took in, both the young and, the, and adult in the 1990 and the young in this new one, Yeah. at the end of it, at the end of each one, we'll say, who, who if it had to be somebody of worth, of somebody of even the smallest note or super popular, who would you want it to be? Okay. Completely taking it, taking out of the fact that like you can't have seven huge stars well, play these characters because I also the don't movie really... can't afford it. Like it, it's too much money. I mean, that withstanding, I, I don't really want seven major well-known actors. No In way. my opinion, you can really have more suspension of disbelief and really get into the characters. That's why, if you don't have that's why these, kids these famous so actors. Like to be fair, when my first first viewing of the movie, and we'll talk about Richie, old and new, but having watched and rewatched Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard as you know Mike in Stranger God, Things is it's a mouthful. Um, it's sort of a porn star name, in my opinion. It's a total porn star but, uh, name. You know, he he really has that portrayal of Mike in Stranger Things, and he's more straight-laced and more subdued, and in a way, the stoic leader that Bill is. I mean, he's really the only one that's known from something else. Yeah, so he was really the main one, and I kind of, I did a little, like, IMDb digging to see what other movies these kids had been in before. Mm-hmm. Um one tidbit that I thought you would like is that the kid Wyatt Ola that plays Stan, mm-hmm. he plays young Peter Quill in both of the Guardian of the Galaxy movies, which I did not recognize him. And I went back and looked it up, and then I was like, "Oh, it is him." What? Yeah. See, ah, oh, yeah, you didn't know it. I was afraid that you would know already. I was really excited to share that. Oh with my him. God, that is him. Yeah, it's him. Yo, Stan, my boy. Yeah. So, and I, I want to talk more about Stan as a character. Wow. So I was kind that of excited totally about that. Totally is him too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But um but like other than that, it's really Finn Wolfhart playing Richie that is like the most well known. And I think it's because his character is so well known in Stranger Things yeah. that the switch is allowed so much because it's such a change. In the beginning, I thought it almost took away from it a little bit that I he recognized into him. that role though. He really but does. During the course of the movie and seeing it a second time, I really enjoyed foul mouth joking wisecracking, you know, version of Richie, even though I really love Seth Green in the original. Mm-hmm. I love Seth Green. And right, so he, he's kind of perfect. Who would you want to play Bill? So in, Bill the, in the in the new chapter two. It. So, I read something today, actually, not intentionally looking for this information, but mm-hmm. I read an interview with Jaden Lieberher where he said that he, if he was casting it, would love to have you and McGregor play a bill. Of course he would. Of course he would. Of course he would. <laughs> and honestly, too, I think Bill's a good one because if they were going to hire somebody famous to yeah. play the characters, it would either be Bill, Bev, 
or Richie. But they got somebody famous to do. It would be either that the makes sense. it would be either the two leaders, yeah, that makes Bev sense. and Bill, or it would be the wise the, the big comedic relief that was the, the big guy. hit of the first one. Yeah. yeah. So I, you I think you I, think Ewan McGregor? I, you know, I don't necessarily. No, I don't necessarily have a wish list for Bill. Just I guess for fun. I guess for fun. I guess personally, I would rather have Bill be a, a not that famous guy. Oh, uh, th- that's my yeah. answer to all of them. Yeah, I want all of them down the line to be absolutely unknowns except for one which we'll get to okay. but for bill if i had to pick somebody super famous and they're supposed to be relatively like in their early 40s relatively yeah like either, for the age to work they would out probably have to be like they're supposed to be like 13 late, right now yeah they're, they're supposed to be 40 when it happens okay yeah, they'll be 40 but you know you can get younger or older, older. like you know late, like late 30s Late 40s, somewhere in that 10-year mark. They're probably going to stretch it with the men, I'm sure. I would say... I'd love some Nathan Fillion in there. Aw, I don't think they'll get someone that funny. Well, that's what I mean. It's like my dream cast and this is just going to be like actors that I really want to like keep on going. <laughs> I mean, if I could cast Michael Rooker as all of these characters. <laughs> I want Andy Circus in mo- mocap to play all the adult versions oh, of all of them. <laughs> um, all right, so you want to do? Uh, did you did you have one besides? Nah, not really for Bill. Bill's a tough one. He's a tough one because and I, I didn't think really. That he will be one that's like it's going to be some up and comer. You think so? It'll be some unknown virtually, but me and you will probably know about them. Like I've heard Jake Gyllenhaal. I hope not. And I'm just kind of like Jake don't need that shit. He's no. about to win an Oscar for Stronger. Yeah, I hope. I hope not. I I hope it's somebody relatively unknown. I mean, and that's what I want to. We'll get that out of the way. We want them all to be unknown. But at the end of each of these conversations, we'll say it had to be somebody okay. relatively or super famous right. who would we want it to be. All right. All right. So who's next on your list? Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about Bev. Mm-hmm. And so new version, Sophia Lillis, she kills it. Dude. Um, no offense to 1990 Emily Perkins, which apparently she ends up later being on some episodes of TV Supernatural. Or, yeah, I thought I recognized her from something. And then adult version of Bev is Annette O'Toole from Smallville. Smallville. Mom. Mom on Smallville. Mm-hmm. Where my soup's at. Yeah. So, but Bev in the new version, she's a lot darker. She's got that 80s Molly Ringwald feel. Kicking ass. She's smoking. She's a little bit of an outcast of her own accord. Um, and the character itself is a little scarier because of the influence of her dad. Um, one th- so we kind of touched on this earlier, but let's talk about it. Like one thing I really didn't like from the old version to the new is that in the old version, Beverly's not being saved by the boys. Like she's right along there with them. Mm-hmm. She's definitely still got fucked up shit going on with her dad. And the whole sequence of seeing the blood in the bathroom and her dad not seeing it and her needing to find out if the other kids see it too because she's worried she's going crazy. That still applies, but she's the one that instead of a gun, she's manning the slingshot. She's supposed to be the best shot with the slingshot of all of them. She's the one that like takes aim at Tim Curry's version of it. Whereas in the new one, 
she's the one that gets abducted and she's a catalyst to bring the rest of the group together. And they kind of touch on the, oh, she's not afraid of him. And then he's like, oh, you will be. Look at my dead lights. Check in my scary mouth. But I still don't like the idea that the boys come together to save her ass. I, I don't, I'm not into that. And I, I got to give you director and your sister producer a thumbs down for that one. I really, uh, I really, I was disappointed in there's, that. There's no way to defend it. No, nah, it's lame. You know, it's like, it's lame. She's so strong in the I whole rest of the movie. I do, and I think it's one of, it's one of those like, yeah, you really just didn't think about that, did you? One of those things where it's like, why didn't you consider the ramifications of what you're doing, making a movie in 2016? Like that didn't happen like that in the book, right? only girl character, I don't know. I don't think it did. Even if it did, come on. Yeah. If you're going to change some things, don't don't make the girl a damsel in distress. Right. It's like the oldest thing. You got so many, like, make Stan the damsel in distress. He's the yeah. one that's always like, blah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it's interesting, too, because they kind of take that version of Beverly with the slingshot, you know, surprising the boys that she's good at it. Like in the new version, they kind of like have Richie or one of the other characters be like, "Nice shot!" After she throws a rock, because mm-hmm. she kind of leads they, off they, with throwing they, the they rock when they're defending Mike. Yeah, yeah, they have a version of that in the new one where it's like she's the one that jumps off first, and it's like, "Did we just get showed up by a girl?" Exactly. And that's essentially what they're getting. Yeah, at they there. go to the quarry. They're yeah. all hemming and hawing and about jumping the off day, the cliff. I have a couple big problems with this movie. Yeah. Um, well, but most it. of them get like, oh, and we're going to get to them as we go over the okay. characters because a lot of them are character based. Yeah. Um, but I think that what they do with Bev's character beyond, uh, the slingshot is yeah. way better. I think that having her be the one that is the closest to adulthood because of this super serious Abuse. tragic yeah. stuff is very important. I think that the, the blood coming out of the toilet is way more sink. Uh, uh, sink. Sorry, oh, is, is way is way more to pull in her sync in. Yeah. with what she's going through because we're shown that she in one of my favorite shots in the movie, her in front of uh, the tampon. Oh aisle, yeah, is she's going through this and she's entering womanhood and she's entering it in this way that she doesn't feel is natural because it ain't right. And she's now all of a sudden thrown into this group of boys who she has, you know, she's always kind of, she has to have had this kind of uh, determined towards. uh, She's definitely self-aware because that whole sequence of her being in the pharmacy and her kind of manipulating the pharmacist's dad, Mm -hmm. who's creepy, and like... She knows how to talk to adults. And also in that pharmacy... She knows how to talk to adult men. The pharmacy has the scariest part in the movie for me. And it's not what you're thinking. It's not the Lois Lane bit, which is... It's fucking creepy. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. The scariest part of the movie is when she picks up tampons. Right. And she turns. And the girl bully Mm -hmm. that has been bullying her starts walking down the aisle. And she, like, turns and runs away. And just as she goes around the corner, the girl, out of soft focus at the end, looks up. And you're like... Did she see her? I think that's one of the scariest parts because you're just like, don't see her because don't be mean to her about that, please. That's the dumbest thing. Don't don't do that. And I was super nervous 
watching it the first time that something like that was going to happen where this this character was going to get belittled for having your period, right. which I'm like, I can't fucking take that. Yeah. Don't do that. That would be way too much. It's too do much. It. It's too much. But luckily they just, you know, they, they, they hammered it just right, right there where you can see that she was scared. She was scared enough to be embarrassed about it. But as soon as she bumped into the guys, like she hid it, but she was, she wasn't running away. Yeah. She still she trusted up. Them. She She's, trusted them. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, oh, she goes outside. She's like, oh, Ben from Soch. And she, like, goes up to the group, kind of starts talking to them. And it works out for her, too, because yeah. she gets to steal the tampon instead of the embarrassment of paying for them. Right. That's true. Um, Which also, in that scene, when they go out to uh, uh, help Ben out, mm-hmm. there's a mural behind them. Okay. That's uh, showing like some kind of car accident or murder that happened really? or something like that. I didn't pick up on yeah, that. Yeah, and in the background there's like a, a car and there's like a dead body oh, and there's yeah. like cops totally like looking that. over it, but it looks all old time, so you don't really notice it. But then as they're talking in the very last shot, um, when they're talking about it, just before it cuts away, it gives one more wide shot of all of them in front of the mural and Pennywise is, is underneath the car, right in between them, staring at them. I totally didn't painting. notice that. Yeah. There's tons of these throughout the whole thing. There definitely is, because, yeah, when we, I want to, I'll point one out. When, when we, we get, get to Ben? ben. Yep. Yeah. okay. Oh my god, yeah. that one blew my mind. So, <laughs> Bev, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like the fact that she is thrown into that damsel state, but because it happened, we can't change it. How do we deal with it? Well, it also—I think that it works. It also happens right only, after she shows her strength against exactly. her dad. She's the one that has been like, "Fuck it, I'm not afraid anymore." Right. More so than the other ones. The other ones ran away, yeah. but she has to face it the whole time. Same with, uh, and we'll get to um, um, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie faces his home fear, right? And I think that that kind of plays into Bev's whole thing is, which is why it takes her. Yeah. Um. Does it necessarily make sense? Not, no. Not completely, yeah. but I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because I like where it comes from and I like where it goes. I might not be a huge fan of how they go about putting her in that situation. Yeah. But at the same time, too, it's kind of like that. If they had taken one of the boys, would I have felt as upset as well? And I don't think I would have. Right. And that's one of those kind of double standard things. Well, it's also because you had just seen her hit her dad. Yeah, like she just and, fought back. And you you have this like moment, like this sigh of relief. Like you're like, oh, she's going to get away. Her dad's knocked out. And, and then, then, boom, there he is. Pennywise is there and grabs her by the throat. So and it, it makes sense It's too. effective. I think that it would have been way more effective if they had taken Eddie instead because he had just gone through a very similar thing. Yeah, they definitely could have. And I think that they needed to get a character in there that wasn't afraid so that they could demonstrate the deadlights. Yeah. And because those come into play later in ways in this movie too, that you might not have noticed. Um, but I th- what are they supposed to be? The deadlights are essential. They're, they're really hard to explain. Right. I don't <laughs> yeah, understand. They're very hard to explain. Um, <laughs> the deadlights are, um, I'm going to explain it wrong because it's different for everyone and things, but it, they're essentially, are they like seeing your death? 
seeing the afterlife. It's it's like it's like pure existence, huh. or it's just. She kind of describes it later in, in that she most, saw the in future. In the most grand way of using the word, yeah. it's something. Okay. So it's it's you're looking at it's it's just like this power source, this huge power source that is awe-inspiring and amazing and terrifying, and it's it's everything and nothing. She kind of describes it that she was dead, or she right. felt like yeah, she was dead. And that she could feel the, all of them together in It's the this very odd thing that's supposed to be scary in the same way that it is scary. Or in the same way that like your own mortality It's essentially is scary. kind of like, almost like it's power source, okay. if you want to think about it like that. And again, uh-huh. it might be wrong, because it's open to interpretation, sure. depending on what book you're reading yeah. or what movie you're watching. But that's essentially what it is, and they needed yeah. to have somebody see that, and it had to be somebody that wasn't afraid of their own demons anymore, so wouldn't be afraid. She just got, she just fucking knocked, like, the biggest fear in her, in her life over the head with a fucking toilet bowl. Yeah, Like, she's not going to be afraid bowl. of some stupid dancing clown. Yeah. And so, like, I get that. And, like, again, like, I like where they come from and I like where they go, but I just don't like the idea of, like, this is damsel in distress, bro. You don't, you don't even do that shit yeah. anymore. So there's been a lot of talk about the director wanting to cast Jessica Chastain as Beth. who they're going to do off. Because she, she's a mama. She was a mama. Which is a great movie. Which I haven't seen. I need to check good. it out. I watched it last year when I found out that he was taking this over. Okay. And uh, it's it's totally competent, amazing horror movie. Totally. I don't necessarily have anything against Jessica Chastain, but I don't necessarily want her to be Beth either. Me neither. I want somebody that's not... That's but not, again, like, yeah. if they're gonna, like, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, Amy Adams, anybody with red hair, as if, like, a lot of people don't seem to understand, like... You can dye someone's hair You can dye somebody's hair, or if they're like, it's gonna be a bald actor, like, hire somebody that's already bald, it's, you can shave that off, you know? Right. Or, it's, it's like, no, it can be anybody. I know it is gonna be somebody who's in their 40s, but in a way, I want it to be an actress that is a little bit younger, because it'll a little bit more unsure. I just don't want it to be an actor that we know because I want it to be Meryl Streep. I want it to be better. Yeah, you want it to be better. I don't want it to be Jessica Chastain. Right, yeah. Like, Finn Wolfhard is Richie, but, like, he's only in Stranger Things. I can easily disassociate that. Yeah. I I don't need it. True. You know, I don't want Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt and everybody like yeah. stomping around fighting a clown in Derry. I'm right. like, I don't need this. Seth Rogen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got to keep it moving though. All right, let's uh, go. So what do we got next? Um, can we talk about Stan? Cause I got some good stuff about Stan. Yeah. Stan. Do it. Stan. Yeah. What do you got? All right. So I definitely like the new version way better because old version of Stan is a boy scout. He's hinted at that he's Jewish, but he's, like, a lot more clean-cut, a little more boring. But, you know, for people that haven't read or seen the old version, sorry, guys, some spoiler territory, Stan's the first to die. Mm -hmm. So adult Stan is the first to die. Finding out that it's back, he ends up committing suicide. Whether or not he... We don't know if he sees it or if he's just afraid and just goes for it. He's totally afraid. He's just afraid. And... I love the new version of Stan. Um, Wyatt Olaf does a really good job. And I like this uh, kind of fear of when he's finally attacked. 
when we finally see it like nomming on his face mm-hmm. in the form of this woman that he's kind of like you guys left me and he is like totally terrified I mean they're they're building that yeah. in there and where that, it's like this is why he this is why you he's know, gonna he'll be the first to go down totally. on the side of his face right Maybe he's got long hair to try and hide them who knows oh yeah but the one thing that I loved about the new version is this painting so when you're oh, kind of a little flute lady yeah so um you know growing up my parents took us to a lot of art museums we would go down to the city and go check out art all the time and without a doubt i saw that painting in the the room of his dad's office and his dad's the the rabbi um and i was like is that a modigliani is that meant to look like a modigliani and so if you have seen artwork by this artist. It's a famous Italian Jewish painter. Um, and Modigliani's paintings all have really weird elongated faces, kind of like vacant eyes and really long skinny necks. And I was like, is this meant to look like this? Is that what he's going for? Because those paintings Mm -hmm. are kind of creepy already. Yeah. And I, did a little bit of reading later on and that is exactly it. I read an interview with, with uh, our director, whose name I'm going to butcher again, Andy Muschietti. Andy Muschietti. And I read that the, uh, that mama also looks a little scary in these Ma- similar traits. Exactly like mama. Okay. And part of that is because growing up in his family home, his parents had a print of one of these famous Modigliani paintings, and he said that it used to scare the shit mm-hmm. out of him yep. as a kid. Yeah, I knew that, actually. That's, so that's really cool. It's you pretty amazing. So so he's kind of working his own childhood fears in to the character of Stan and having this creepy lady playing the flute come out of the painting and, like, in the Harry Potter world, walking out of the painting and mm-hmm. walking into real life. And oh, it's so scary when it puts so, the portrait up and she's not there. And you're yeah. like, oh, she's not there anymore. Don't know that. Hanging the painting up and it, it bounces off the wall on mm-hmm. its own. like that Which is... mirrors the later yeah. scene with it in the in, on the projector screen. Exactly. All of a sudden, he's not there. He's coming out of it. And you get one of the best jump scares. That was amazing. I am not a big fan of jump scares. I like it when they happen. I'm not going to be schma about it and be like, you should pay attention instead of just jumping out and scam me. I don't, but but this that is one scene of those scenes where it really builds great. the tension and, oh, and you're like, oh, is it over? And then he's just like, I'm here. And you're like, oh, my God. No, that scared the hell out of my friend that I went and saw it with yesterday. Oh, man. So that whole sequence of them watching the projector scene, and I know the guys talked about it on the, on the hot take. Like, mm-hmm. that's one of the best scenes. And I know that, um, you know, Bill Skarsgård was supposedly being told by the directors to avoid the kids that they didn't see they him never, in costume. They barely, they barely talked to him right. out, out of costume. They never, never saw, saw him in costume, costume, never saw a picture of him. That was the first thing they saw a picture yeah. of him. Yeah. So I love that that was probably acting plus their actual real reaction to being yeah. like, what the what hell? What the hell is exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Stan and the new one I know he's not going to stick around long, but I, I hope they pick somebody good. For Stan, I want John Hamm. I want, for Stan, I, would be I want the most famous face in the world. So that everybody's like, oh, did you hear he's playing that character? And he's going to die. And he just dies. Yeah. Like, I think that that'd be great. Yeah. But again, we'll see. they're not going to. We'll see. They're not going to. They're not going to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Or they shouldn't. So who do you want to talk about next? Um, who do we got down? We got Bill, Bev, Stan. Um, you want to talk about Richie a little bit? We kind of touched on Finn Wolfhard a tiny yeah, bit. Yeah, let's get Richie. So what are you thinking about Richie? Old versus new. Our boy you, Seth Green. I mean, you can't top Seth Green. And I mean, honestly, right off the bat, <laughs> I completely agree with our boys over at Hot Takes where Seth Green should play him in the new 2016 version. <laughs> That's just it. I don't care how bad it turns out being. I just like circles. Yeah. I'm like Matthew McConaughey from season one of True Detective. All right. I okay. Like circles. All right. I do love like Seth Green. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I do love him. Season two, True Detective. All right. <laughs> Where he doesn't really like circles, but he's got buttons on his suit, which are circular. Okay. So. He knows what circles are. I'm not sure what the problem is, but that's all right. Nobody is. <laughs> but I do love in the new one that Richie's fear is clowns. Totally. I kind of love that sequence of him being in the house, like the haunted house on New Bolt Street. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, that wasn't in the original 1990 film version, and it's so much fun mm-hmm. and so good in the new version. Somebody told me that there's a little miniature Pennywise Tim Curry doll in there. Really? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Uh, but you know what I did see clown-wise with Richie in this one? What? I am fucking 95. Nope. I'm gonna say I'm 98% sure that the clown that's on stage, Uh when he looks back and he says that he's afraid of clowns, Right. I'm 99% sure that that's Bill Skarsgård. Oh, you think so? I swear... I was a little. I mean, why not? I was a little bit closer to the screen in my second viewing, and I was paying attention because I knew it was coming up. I was like, "Oh, the clown behind him is dancing. Oh, they're about to focus in on him." And when they focus in on him, I'm like, "Is that? Is that Bill Skarsgård like dressed up as a different clown? Possibly. Like as if that clown is actually it, and it's just dressed up as a different clown. That makes sense. I don't know. I mean, why not? I don't know what these guys are capable of. They do some really fucked up shit in this movie yeah. in the background that yeah, like, do. I don't put it past them. And it makes you really uneasy because you're not sure if you saw it or not. Mm-hmm. You're like, am I... There's like little tiny things that they do that I'm sure if I watch it a third time, I pick up on it more. Yeah. But like they use like these certain different things with fear. You know, like with Bill being woken up by raindrops. Right. Because then, his brother died during a rainstorm. And then the basement being full of water. Being full of water. Yeah. Like, it, they do these little tiny things that you think, like, oh, that's just scary. But it's actually scary to that character for and a specific also, reason. Like, it's sort of like a weird reference to, like, torture. You know? Yeah. He's getting dripped on mm-hmm. gradually. It wakes him up. Yeah. Um, but, like, all right, so... Let's talk about Ben, because one oh, of the... Oh, no, wait, wait. Richie. Richie. Uh, the later version, Harry Anderson... Oh, Night Court. Of Night Court fame. Oh, man. He plays him, and he's like a stand-up comedian. In the book, I think he's a DJ. Oh, really? He's like a disc jockey, like a radio disc jockey. I kind of like it as him being a comedian. I think him being a disc jockey is what they're going to go with here, or even like a podcaster. Okay. Because I think, what do they call him? Uh, His name is, it's like Richie Trash Mouth. Yeah, they call him They call him Trash Mouth. And that's like his, that's his thing. That's his bit. Word and vomiting all over them. In the miniseries, they present him as a stand-up comedian, but he's like a stand-up comedian in the sense where he's uh, hosting like a show, right? 
he's like a Jimmy Kimmel late night show where kind he of, like, yeah. like a variety he's show. He's like a variety act yeah. kind of guy. So that makes sense like in 1990. And they kind of reference that like his Abbott Costello counterpart kind of resembles Eddie. Yeah, exactly. There and you go. Exactly. It's like so they're, it's, they're buddies. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like disc jockey podcaster is the way that they would go with Richie's thing. And like, I want Seth Green. We're not going to get him. But if you're going to do something like that, and you're building off of Finn Wolfhard, I got to say, I want, I want Harrison Ford. What? <laughs> He's too old. Don't be ageist. It's in his 60s. I think that Harrison Ford has it in to play a 41-year-old. <sighs> Can you imagine Harrison Ford, like, no. busting those jokes? Hollywood. I got your staph infection. Ugh. <laughs> it doesn't smell like caca to me, senor. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I want Harrison Ford to play Richard. That'd it's not be amazing. Happen, it's not gonna He's happen. about to hit it big with Blade Runner. You see. You'll, we'll you'll, see. You wait and see. We'll see. Um, but so, so touching on all the like creepy shit that's happening in the background constantly. Oh, well, with Ben. Sure. Like... I did not, the first time we watched it, notice Ben in the library. Prior to him reading about this, like, Easter egg monster disaster and then finding the creepy eggs, um, I did not know that the one of the librarian ladies is just, like, looking maniacal and pretty much creeping closer and closer to him as he's watching the red balloon or flipping through the book. Yeah, like she's like in like the soft focus she in totally the back is. and she just like she and you actually see her, turns. Yeah, she turns and, and you're looks like, ahead what the fuck? And is looking at his face and you're like, sweet. Jesus. And then she's slowly getting closer and closer just looking maniacal. Definitely. Yeah. And then finally, you know, he gets up and starts walking over to check out this Easter egg and then she's back at the bookshelf mm-hmm. doing her thing. And, like, that was one of the most messed up sequences, not knowing that the first time I saw that and then picking up on it on the second time, I was like, oh, shit, there's a lot of other stuff I haven't picked up on. Mm-hmm. But um, Well, I feel like, too, like, Ben's going to be a quick one here. Well, like, Ben... Because Ben in this, even though they completely take Mike's thing and give it to Ben in this... Yeah, so we should really talk about Ben and Mike together. Well, no, 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 like, like... Let's talk. Let's talk. Ben, nineteen ninety, and Ben, twenty seventeen. Then we'll go right over to Mike. Okay. So Ben, uh, in the original, is right. <laughs> when we rewatched it, we were kind of like, yeah, he's not that fat. He's not like, that he's fat. Like, kind of just like he's just stocky. Sort of, yeah, he's just sort of like a stocky regular he like kid. A play like a like a he'd be like a yeah. like he'd be good for football. So you know or something what? Eventually. Which I didn't even realize until I looked him up on IMDb. The kid that plays Ben in the original is like a pretty sizable character in the Wonder Years, which I used to watch all the time growing up. Okay. So I was like, who's this kid? Why does he look so familiar to me? And I realized it's because he was just like one of the doofy friends on the Wonder Years. So he has that like 50s look to him. Mm-hmm. Where he's got kind of his buzz cut, a little dopey face. Mm-hmm. But he's not really fat. No, he's not. He's fine. 
And then his older character, like the older version is supposed to be like way more primmed up and a successful architect. And he's supposed to be really, really good looking and physically fit. And he's teen heartthrob John Ritter. John Ritter? Yeah. Who, you know, I wouldn't call John Ritter like the peak of physically fit. He's not spelt. No, per se. But, but he's, he's definitely be the like best a playboy. Part. He's definitely the best part of the older Oh the yeah. Older kids. Definitely. He's my he's, favorite adult version of, he owns of the characters. That shit. Like yeah. he's just like John Ritter is just a pro. He's an from, actor. From, from head to toe. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, we need a professional to carry the adult actors. Mm-hmm. And it's him. Which is what feels so weird because they put him in the same room where Richard Thomas, who plays older Bill, is mm-hmm. supposed to be the leader, and you've got John Ritter right there. Yeah. And John Ritter ain't gonna take no shit from this guy right. who hasn't even been in the Americans yet. No. It's 1990. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, we don't know who that guy is, and he's got this weird mole on his face that I don't think the kid can Which they had to put the mole on, yeah. on the younger version. Yeah, it was very odd. But I remember asking you, I was like, wait, I, I don't did know. He have does, that? does he have does does Richard Thomas have that uh, mole? No, Jonathan Brandis did not. Have it? And Jonathan Brandis does not yet. Right. So but getting back to Ben. New version of Ben, I feel like he looks the youngest of the kids. Like the new you, one? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like like Eddie looks young, but Eddie's just kinda like little and scrawny. Mm-hmm. He doesn't necessarily look as young per se. He's just kind the of new, a small the new the new one. What's his name? Um So the new kid is Jeremy Ray Taylor. And yeah. I guess this is his first big role. Like he had like a bit bully part in Ant Man apparently. Oh, okay. There but you go. he's not like he's in just, a lot of he's, stuff. He's just got like a real cherub quality. He's to him very he just cute. Looks so much younger. He's like, very he's cute. Sweet. He's cute. But he looks like you put him next to Bev, and he looks like he's three or four years younger. Than yeah, him. like they don't look like they're in the same like, grade. There's no way they are in the same grade. Like definitely not. And then I do love that they kind of bond over, you know, avoiding the bullies on the way home and her discovering that he's listed the new kids on the block. Which I think is a great bit. It's a pretty good bit. It's really good. Yeah. That when she closes the door. And there's a poster. And and it just like plays that new kids on the block song real quick. And then she closes it so that nobody else will see it. And I think that's really neat. And she kind of references the lyrics to him a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, and he has that like, please don't go girl. And then has a moment to himself. (laughs) Those are like really out there jokes that are way more out there than most of the humor in the movie where Definitely. it's either like circumstantial or anything like that. But I think they play really well and they kind of give into like yeah. this, this fun quality that I think that they'll have in the second one where these two are like these kind of uh, like unrequited lovers. Yeah. It builds and, up and especially because she knows that he wrote the poem. Yeah. She figures it out in the, in the in 1990 the, version. She finds out when, later, they're adults. when they're adults. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she always thinks that it's Bill in the original and then he doesn't respond when she quotes it. That's great. That's great in this one, too. Yeah. And again, like, I can't get over how great the kids are. Right. Because they, they're, even the little tiny moments, you know, like, a lot of people have been calling the movie a thriller instead of a horror. Okay. Because it's, like, this kind of coming-of-age drama mixed in with, like, these scary elements. And for some reason, they think that horror movies can't have... Uh, heft to them like actual character yeah because people are people are used to like horror movies made for the masses being like these kind of movies where it's like saw or something you look at a movie like i can't think of a a horror movie and i know there's got to be one uh that was released to the masses on this level that had something to say 
you know, it wasn't just like a movie that's made to scare you. If it scares you, awesome, good. But if it also has something to say, like this one is talking about Carrie. Uh, no, well, no, even even sooner than that, The Ring. Oh, okay. Uh, which is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I think the first Ring is phenomenal, and I think it's overlooked because it had such the, it's such a big hype around it. All right. That's but, another one that I watched like, alone. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. I, every time not I, I just recently, idea. I just recently watched Rings. Not a good and idea. And it scared the shit out yeah. of me when they re-showed the video. I was home alone. Because that video not was fucking idea. horrifying. Yep. It gets into something. Totally. And like this movie, 2017's It, really dives into this idea of fear and what fear is to different people. And we've been talking about it with, with each person as we've been going down. You know, like Bill is afraid of uh, his brother being dead. Right. He's afraid of that. He's kind and of afraid of having let his little brother down. Right. Like, he didn't protect him. He didn't him. protect him. And, yeah. and he tried. Walk and yeah. talk and everything. Be right. careful. And, you know, like, and uh, we talked about, um, you know, like, Stan is afraid of letting down his dad. Right. And this kind of culminates in, like, this painting in his dad's room that he's always figured was probably like a very fearful place because that's probably where he would be when he's talking to his dad right. there's always this creepy picture over there and it's kind of dark and yeah, yeah and bev we know what bev is afraid of right and it's very obvious sure and she's also entering uh adulthood and she's afraid of that as well she's kind of afraid kind of, of becoming a woman in a real right. way yeah. yeah and so um and, and richie is afraid of clowns right yeah and because he is like the loud mouth and everything like that. Like he's he's attempting to like he be essentially the happy is one. the clown. He's the clown of yeah. the group. Beep beep, Richie. Right. And then and Ben though Ben in 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 the original one Ben's uh, his dad's dead. Right, and they kind of show like military dad, the military dad being with gone. the balloons. Yeah. yeah. And this one, he's gone. He's definitely not there. Ben's but... Ben's more again because we're given Mike's Mike's historical knowledge is like that whole subplot is given to Ben and now yeah. Ben is the one that's doing that and it's really odd because then Ben really the only thing that the only thing his experience with it is he reads something about the Easter fire and the beheaded kid and then all of a sudden he sees all the kids uh, like all the yeah. kids like come after him and, and he's and smoking the, burnt Easter eggs yeah. yeah and so it's like he doesn't actually in, in the movie have like this really hard pressed fear his hard-pressed fear is Henry Bowers. It's like his real legitimate fears yeah. are the real bullies that are in his day-to-day life. And I guess that is too, because it does call him... Um, chubby or... Like, hey, fat boy. Hey, fat which boy. Which is what I think Henry calls him right. earlier on in the movie. So right. I think it's kind of dealing with that. His own that insecurities. Because he's, he's the new kid on the block. He also, like, he sees Beverly and Bill interact and kind of defers... Like he kind of realizes that Bill's got more of a chance Which because Bill's older. So and it's, realistic. It is. Sad. It's like very. It's, we've all been there. It's very we, sweet and it's very sad. We've been in love, even like the childlike love, right? With someone and Just seeing that like, like they're oh, going to be drawn to somebody better than me. Yeah, than or like me. she sees that kid as older or cooler. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. He's the natural leader, and Ben is like the new kid, right? And, and chubby fat, and young. And yeah, everybody's always putting them down. Yeah. Right. But uh, I, especially in the new one, I think he fucking just kicks ass. I mean, it makes sense in the context that, and I know you and I talked about this briefly before, but like being the new kid and not having a lot of friends yet, it makes sense that he would hang out in the library 
and be kind of the book nerd and whatever, but I still, to like, bridge this into talking about Mike. Well, first, okay, but first, who do we want to play Ben? We want to play Ben. Well, he's got to be smoking hot because be smoking hot. adult Ben has run track in college he's an, he's an and architect. shed all his baby fat. He's a kick-ass motherfucker. Yeah. And he's strong and like a playboy and having fun. So Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. That's it. Is that what you're thinking too? That's what I said earlier. Yeah. You didn't hear me earlier? No, I didn't. I jokingly said that earlier. I was like, Chris there Pratt. There we go. It's Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris get, Pratt. get him in there. Or even like somebody, maybe uh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd would be fun. Any of those like really funny comedians that Marvel um, forced to get a six pack. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Somebody, somebody charming. Somebody charming with like a really crazy chin. Yeah. That'd be good. It's cool. But Mike, unfortunately, in this movie. So Mike is like the glue in the original that brings the group and holds them all together. Like adult Mike is a librarian. He's the historian. He's the one that like his dad always said there was something evil and fucked up in Derry. And he was the one who did a little background digging into the weird Derry history. And I kind of was really pissed seeing the new version where they take that from his character and give it all to Ben because they didn't give a whole hell of a lot to Mike in the new film. He's like a shell of a character compared to the old one. The old one, 1990s, he's the one that calls everyone and is telling them that it's back. And he stayed behind. He stayed behind. He's kind of like carrying the torch. He's been living in Derry this whole, the whole 30 years. He's the only one that didn't forget. So, like, everyone else, by moving away, has had some of their memory fade on what the hell happened. But he's the one that has been still living with that fear, knowing that it could come back, and then recognizing what it does. So it's kind of shitty that they don't give a whole lot of that to the new version of Mike. Um, And the new kid is really cute. Uh, I looked him up on IMDb, Chosen Jacobs. Apparently he's on Hawaii Five-O. Yeah, that's what they were all saying. They're like, Hawaii Five-O's Chosen Jacobs yeah. is cast. You know? I mean, he's a cutie kid. And I mean, the the original is... The original is a little more scrawny and wimpy and yeah. nerdy. And, it's, and this uh, kid is more good-looking and athletic. Mar- Marlon Taylor plays him. Yeah. And then Tim Reed, though. I love Tim Reed. We Tremé. both know from Tremé. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... You know, uh, Mike really is one of those characters where even from the miniseries, because he comes in so late. Right. He's the Just new, by natural, yeah. like, the six of them are all together, last. and then he's the last one that always makes it lucky seven. Right. You know, so he's always at a disadvantage character-wise, and the adult one is what I really remember most about Mike. Right. Because he's so pro- prolific in the miniseries version. So knowing that they kind of took some of his backstory and gave it to Ben, do you think they'll do anything with him in... Like, are they going to make Ben the new librarian, historian character? It's possible. If they're going to take this route, I would hope that, that they would, make they would ben just do stay that. Behind? And then they would make Mike go off and be this kind of, like, super successful person. But it's really hard to figure out what they're doing because they really don't give Mike that much to do in this movie. Yeah. They give him the terrible past of his parents being burned alive. Which I felt like they could have gone even a little deeper. They could have gone deeper, and then they also like referenced the black spot, which was like yeah, where the, the, the black people used to hang out, and then right. it was burned down by this super racist radical group. Right. Um, I will also say I am not a huge fan of 
they made Mike, they made, they made the one black character. Um, they took away all the historical stuff that he knows. And they made him a farmer. And they gave him a gun. Yeah. Well, they, they gave the one black character the gun. <laughs> it's a little like, why did you have to do that? But was he a farmer in the original, in the book? I have no idea. I think I read that he may have been like a farmer outside of family. And if, it's, if it has to even be like that, like that kind of pressure puncture yeah. thing, why not make it like a rod like it was in No Country for Old Men? I feel like in this day and age doing it, yeah. the black kid has a gun. I don't know. I, I think it's a little like out there. Like I'm not going to judge the movie for it, but like in hindsight, thinking about it, I can't help but be weirded out by that decision. Yeah, you know, I keep now that you pointed as that out as the damsel in distress thing. Yeah, where you're like, well, yeah, that works in the concept of the movie, but I just don't think that they understood the gender politics of that. Just like well, with giving Mike the gun, what? it's like I don't think you guys understand exactly what the race implication of that is. I didn't even think of it so much in terms of the gun. I just thought of it in terms of not letting the one person of color be the nerdy smart kid. Right. Like, oh, there's taking, that too. like taking they, away they the idea that he was going to be the historian. Yeah, they take book away nerd, his education and give him a gun. And they put him as a farmer, like, Helping out with livestock, and they give it to Ben, who's like the nerdy kid that likes when kids on the block. It's a little intense. It's a little bit much, and and I just like if they had done a little bit more to flesh out the character of Mike in the new one and given him something else, then maybe I would have been a little bit more okay with it. But that to me was the biggest change between old and new, where I was like, "Yo, what the fuck? Yeah, not cool." That, and then being like, and then Bev's got to be saved by the boys. Not all right, guys. What are you doing? Don't need to do that. You didn't really need to. Well, and that also makes it really, like, kind of hard slash easy or, like, kind of easy in a hard way to say who would you, if you had to pick a famous black actor to play Mike, who would you pick? I mean, the kid is really good looking. They're going to pick another probably pretty handsome actor. I don't know. i pick a... Uh, Jordan Peele. Oh, they did reference that in an interview. I, I, I think uh, that'd be neat. I listened to an interview where the kids were talking, um, and it was Finn Wolfhard, Chosen Jacobs, and the Wyatt, the kid that plays Stan. And one of them suggested Jordan Peele, totally. and the kid Chosen Jacobs was like, "That'd be pretty awesome." Yeah. <laughs> and they were talking about Get Out, so that. Would I've be also cool. I've also joked around too, like I'd like maybe like. Uh, uh, like Stan or something, like one of the char- one of the characters is like transgender, and it's a female character that plays them later on. That'd be pretty awesome. Why, Why not? not? Why not? And it's just like, oh, I didn't know. I mean, I guess in a weird way. Well, good. We're we're going on to Eddie mm-hmm. right now, right? He's the last one of the losers club for us to talk about. And, and Eddie's the best for last. His he's my favorite. Thing, his in the whole new thing one. is like being sexually rep- repressed by his mother, where he has no right. identifying sexual. Characteristics. I mean, he's repressed in every way by his mom. I mean, that's like the whole thing. Yeah. Which, uh, watching it the second time, because the first time I watched it, I completely forgot about the idea that Eddie's character is gay or being hinted at as being kind of sexually repressed, even in his later years in the book where he's married to a woman. Yeah, see, but I didn't he's know kind that. Of like, yeah, it's, it's this kind of thing where it's like his mother um, uh, made him hold back any romantic 
or sexual desires and and just like kept them to herself like you, right. you love me you love no one else and so he was never even able to really fully realize what his sexual life would be if he had control of it yeah so like with the old version and the new version i always loved the child version of eddie better than the adult. my favorite of the my favorite of the original miniseries yeah and my favorite of this one is always eddie Definitely. This kid in the 2017 it. He is awesome. What the fuck is going on? Who is that? So who is that 35 year old man that you have that looks like a little child? So the new version, Jack Dylan Grazier. Mm-hmm. He apparently is like the kid of a producer or a director. Makes sense. So he's in the biz, but this is like his first big role. That's how we got Dan Radcliffe. I mean, he's really fucking good. He's amazing and the cool thing that i read was that originally he auditioned for the part of bill and Jaden lieberher auditioned for the part of eddie and then huh. they both got cast I, I could honestly see them physically with like a little bit of different hair right totally swapped but i love this kid jack playing eddie i think he's got like his speech just his like rapid gunfire. He's also very how he's, funny. How he starts talking quicker when he gets nervous. Exactly. And he he's constantly freaking out. in between yep. anybody but Bill. Like, back me up here, back me up. And the fact, like, I mean, you know me, so you know, but like, just growing up, being a kid with like a shitload of allergies, being a kid with asthma, mm-hmm. like, I always loved the character of Eddie. I love the sort of like slightly OCD hypochondriac kid the world's against me like i identify with that kid because it's like mom and dad say you can't go outside because you're gonna start wheezing you know and Mm -hmm. so i was always rooting for that kid um the adult version is not great and it's makes me sad because i love the actor dennis christopher he's in one of my all-time favorite movies breaking away Away. which if you haven't seen stars dennis Dennis Quaid. quaid also stars um shoot comedian from Voices of the Wonder Years and is in City Slickers not Dennis Quaid uh shoot Voices he's the narrator of the Wonder Years and he's in City Slickers you know are you talking about Daniel Stern talking about Daniel oh, Stern oh okay yeah I thought you were okay yeah, I thought you. I for I'm a minute so I thought you were here. Trying, I thought you were trying to figure out Jackie Earl Haley no I love and Jackie I Earl like, Haley I was like Jackie Earl Haley does no. not voice no the, so that, Daniel that Stern is the narrator for the Wonder Years. Yes, he is. Yeah, and he's probably my favorite character in Breaking Away. But Jackie Earl Haley, Dennis Quaid is a great movie, and Dennis Christopher, who plays the adult version of Eddie in the uh, nineteen ninety film, Sex Symbol, Daniel Stern, back yeah. in the eighties, smoking hot. My goodness, it's it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should check. Oh, it out. Oh, Breaking Away, yeah. I love Breaking Away. But uh, you know, him as adult Eddie is kind of like still a hypochondriac, still kind of weak and lame. Mm-hmm. And it never made sense to me in the miniseries. It doesn't make where, sense. Like, he just kept He's still living with that, his mom. Which is why I'm really curious about this new one because it seems like Eddie overcomes that by the right. end of it. So I'm curious as to like I really hope they go in on. a different direction. Like I'm really hoping so book version apparently has Eddie marrying a woman that is very much like his mother. Mm-hmm. Which makes a little bit more sense. Then miniseries 1990 has him actually still living with his mother, which I don't think makes any sense. Mm-hmm. 
So I love this new version where he sort of stands up to his mom and is like, no, you're making me turn my back on my friends. It, it opens up doors to a lot of fun things that they could do yeah. in the second one. I Honestly, I would love it if they... If the new version came back as like they, out and proud gay man. Out and proud gay man and where he is still friends with Richie. I would like that. that him and Richie are still together That'd and they're kind great. of like this duo yeah. on like this kind of DJ radio talk show sure. station. Yeah. And how Eddie is kind of like, he's the straight, you know, like Abbott and Costello. He's right. the straight one. just like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. And Rich can make a joke where like, hey, you may be the straight one in the jokes, but you ain't the straight one in the sack. Oh, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Like they could make yeah. jokes like that. <laughs> and like, I think that that would be a lot of fun because I think the idea that none of these seven guys, none of these seven friends ever keep in touch. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind. something like that. Like, yeah. look. I totally get it. It's like you're 13. Life moves on. You leave those behind. They're 13, but There's like, gotta God, be they... at least two that come on. Well, also, it like, I mean, by the end of the 2017 film version, Beverly's moving away, but everyone right. else is 13. They're still mm-hmm. going to be in and school they eventually together go away. for a they go while. To college, they go to stuff, and I think that it would be realistic if you had like Eddie and Richie were kind, kind of became like this kind of because Eddie is always setting up the jokes for Richie totally whether he means to or not like, yeah he's always the one that's worried and saying stuff and, and Richie's like well no 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 everybody be worried I'm just gonna knock it down with a nice gray water good, like racist joke or totally. something like that you yeah. know like and imagine Harrison Ford <laughs> just so, like <laughs> so it my, doesn't smell like cock out of me senor my uh my pick for Eddie is uh one that got planted in my head because of watching an interview with the kids where they were talking about who they thought might be good, but one of them suggested Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You're going to have somebody recognizable. Wow. I thought he might be kind of a cool one. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He might be kind of a fun, because he can play kind of a fast-talking, neurotic character. So he might be a good one for Eddie. Mm -hmm. I was trying to think of... What is that guy's name? In what? That was in Heroes. Milo. Milo. Ventimiglia. He's yeah, on This yeah, Is yeah. Us, so I don't yeah, know if he'll the be guy in that's anything on else. This Is Us. Yeah, the, I was like, he was also Jess go. in Gilmore Girls. Shout yeah, out. there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I was like. Oh, that kid right there. All right, what about? He still be small, petite. What about the actor? Well, not small, petite. What about the actor that plays Q in the new James Bond? Ben Wishaw? Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, he could do it. But he's not small. But he's got the same hair. He's British as fuck. He's beautiful. Yes. So he could be a beautiful gay man. I want I want more parts for American actors. <sighs> Wouldn't it be great if all seven were British actors? I mean it Afterwards, happens. That's all it happens. But uh but yeah, this Andy kid... Circus is playing all of them in Mocha. <laughs> Why do we have this British guy showing up here playing like, all of our American parts? I just like hearing you say mocap. Mocap <laughs> stands for motion captured. Uh, but Jack Dylan Grazier, I hope this kid goes on to be in a lot of stuff. This kid he is, is going to awesome. go on. He's I really hope that they decide. Like, actually, you know what? We're going to wait twenty-seven years for Jack Dylan Grazier to become to get forty old years old because we just want him to be in it. All right. And then Andy Circus. <laughs> in his late sixties, will mocap everybody else. Mocap. Alright. Um so we're rounding around here. Yeah. So we got a uh, Hen- so, Henry Bowers. Henry Bowers. We talked a we lot about him. him. I really, really, really 
super like this interpretation of him. I do too. It uh, did it, he kill his dad in the original? His, in the original, no. In the original, like he's just like a fucking douchebag, just a bully. And he ends up there, and he, and he ends up and, in a psych ward. And he sees it, and his his hair goes white. And he gets blamed for the murders. And he gets kids. blamed for the murders. So of no one discovers it. They all think right. Henry Bowers. So I think that what they're going for here is they showed us all of the floating bodies of the kids at the bottom of the sewer. He fell down the well, and I think what's going to happen is uh, are the Losers Club leaves, and people, and they're going to go and tell like all of the kids' bodies are down there, right? And the adults with their half memories and weird it control that's plaguing Derry, yeah, they're going to find Henry Bowers down there as well, and he's still with a knife, blood all over him, and they're going to be like Henry Bowers killed all of these kids. And they're going to lock him up. Like they did in the original. Like they did in the original, and he'll come back. I really hope he does, because that whole idea of Henry Bowers, as cheesy as it is... It is cheesy, but I like it. And it's it's cheesy cheese. There's like, no sincerity to find in that. It's like, all right, so the kid the, that bullied them yeah. is now an old dude, and he's like... <laughs> yeah, but you know what I love about the old one? As silly as it is, I love fucking Tim Curry, Pennywise being in the moon in the old one, yeah. whispering down to wake up an adult Henry Bowers through mm-hmm. his, like, insane asylum window, being like, hey, hey. And that's just... Don't you want to get him? It's just Tim Curry's face yeah. in the moon. And I'm like, well, this is fucked up. Yeah. But it's pretty fantastic. I love it. So, I mean, I, I really hope they go that route. Yeah. I, I hope they bring him back. Uh, just because I really love that interpretation of I like giving that character a little bit of heft, a yeah. little bit of dramatic weight to it, uh, even though his dad has the dumbest fucking line in the fucking world. Oh, the like paper man line? What does that mean? I don't know. He shoots at his feet and he's like, see that? Put a little fear and you see a paper man crumble. Like, paper doesn't crumble What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? What? Did you mean to use, like, fire and burn in there at some point? Like, yeah. Paper I mean, man burned. I mean, it is sort of like a I mean, weird... I guess paper crumbles. You can... You can crumple it up. You can crumble paper, but like... Crumple. Not, crumple? Not crumble. Crumble it? You don't crumble paper. You crumple it. Got it. You crumple up paper. You fear? You can scare paper? Yeah. Boo! Rock, paper, scissor. Boo! But, uh... The, the paper's not doing anything. No, it's not. Is it... But I do like that the dad is the one person that scares the shit out of him. Well, of course. And that kind of plays in the idea like that's, that's Bev. That's all his kids. He's just afraid. He's just as afraid as, of his home life as they are. And yeah. he just deals with it in like this kind of outward way. Why do so many of the kids only have one visible parent? Well, because I think they tried to limit parents because parents are supposed to be this like non-present thing. Like we the, barely see a lot like of the Like the parents. adults driving by Ben when he's yeah. being bullied. That's the you whole know, idea of Derry. Or the adult woman that is coming out in the storm and clearly she saw Georgie's bloody body. Yeah, it's it's the whole idea. It's like the yeah. memory. The memory is yeah. like, it's it has a power where he can, he can make you forget. Right. And you slowly do forget. And if you're an adult, like you're way more susceptible to it because you you don't have the imagination of a child. Yeah. And that's, like, uh, one of my favorite scenes, too, in the new one with Henry Bowers is uh, 
him going to the mailbox and there's a red balloon on it. Right. And he pulls it out and it's got the knife in it with leaves and with dirt, dirt and everything. That he stuff. dropped in the woods. I think that's amazing. It is. It's a very phenomenal fucking shot. It's very trip. well done. Yeah. All right, let's cap it on off here. We got Pennywise. Pennywise. So we've been talking about Tim Curry. Tim Curry's great. Tim Curry's great. Phenomenal performance. Let's talk about Bill. Bill? Love him. Young Skarsgård. Love him. I think he's, I think he brought exactly what needed to be brought to this type of reiteration of it. So can you, it can you, can you touch on, you, you were the one who told me that a, a different actor was originally cast. Yeah. What happened with that? Well, I think it was, I think that they wanted to do, um... It was the kid that we saw in Detroit, right? Yeah. That it, actor? It was, so I uh, don't know his name off the top of my head. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up right now because but, uh, I would feel really bad. And that actor was in, uh a lot of movies as a kid and always a little bit sinister. He, uh, yeah, well, he was, uh, he was in, um, what is it? Uh, oh, what's his name, man? He was in, uh, uh, Son of Rambo. Son of Rambo. Um, I love him in oh, Son of Rambo. Uh, there it is. Got it. Uh, Will Poulter. Okay. And I think... He's he, got a mean mug on him, he, And Poulter. he actually looks a lot like Bill Skarsgård. He the, does, in, in a way. In the sense of, like, how their faces are constructed. And they were going for this kind of idea of, like... I think this is when they were going for younger, but not too young. Like, sort of childlike? Childlike. And I think Andy Muschietti kind of brought in... He's like, I want it to be even younger. Because I want it to be... I want it to be childlike. Because Tim Curry's performance... That is what it is. How can we distance ourselves from that without abandoning the material that we're dealing with? Because a lot of the lines are the same. Sure. A lot of the scenes are the same. And I think they were like, oh, we'll make him younger. We'll make him more of this kind of like prissy doll-like clown okay. instead of like happy birthday clown. Right. And I think they were able to pull off like a lot of really fun stuff with that. I think that Bill Skarsgård in this mixed with the CGI too. I think the CGI in this movie is it I is think good. It's very well used because you have to use it in certain spots. And him getting out of the fridge. Yeah. And just like untwisting. And then but there are like crazy actors and actresses. Like there was an actress playing the weird female version of the painting. Right. And the guy that I guess was also in Mama was playing a leper that comes and attacks Eddie. Yeah, that's a super famous dude that just plays like super fucked up people have Jesus. you ever did you ever see wreck no wreck is great and he played that. i think jeremy actually talked, talked about, about that. him in this yeah, yeah that, that's takes. that's i gotta see that i love jeremy he knows he's proud i love you <laughs> um yeah he's just like a super creepy uh character actor where he just like yeah. plays super creepy things right. um but uh he does an excellent job yeah, yeah, they're everybody, all like the super creepy stuff that it takes the shape of. It, I think is executed really, really well in this. But Bill Skarsgård just takes the fucking cake. Yeah, he's just he really owns it. Where he's able to flip so easily between, and even like kind of like ride the razor's edge of insanely scary and charmingly creepy. 
He's very like he creepy. gets out. He gets out of the fridge, and then he just does that move, right? Where he just starts walking towards. It's Ed almost in this comical in a way, way. But it's scary. And then he gets right up in his face and just starts like squeezing it, yeah. and just like he's got that eye thing, and he just taunts them constantly. Yeah, he's just like it's a really good taunting performance, yeah. and that's what he's supposed to be doing. Is he's supposed to be scaring the shit out of them? And I think that in the original series, Tim Curry is absolutely phenomenal. But the way that the adults interact with him always fell short. It did. Because he was always more scarier seeing him interacting with children. It is. He, they're, they're definitely... It's not as believable that they would be afraid of him as an adult. Right. It's just I think not, that is not the case with Bill Skarsgård's It. Because I feel like he's holding back throughout this whole movie. And I kind of... I, I heard him interviewed... I think about Jimmy Kimmel. Um... And they were talking a little bit about, you know, ideas for the new one. And I think that he's really going to go for it. Yeah, I think he's going to go crazy on it. He talked to about, like, the the projector scene was the first time that any of the kids had seen what he looks like. Right. But the first time that he was ever on set, in costume, in character with the kids, was when he comes out of the fridge and, like, attacks Eddie. Oh, And the other kids come down. And apparently, so you watch that scene and he's, like, got Eddie's face... And he's just like screaming and like, oh, I'm going to bite you. Oh, I'm going to bite you. Oh, I'm going to bite you. And he was going crazy and like, like mocking the crying and screaming. And and Bill Skarsgård was like, he like, they they called cut and he was like, oh, he's afraid afraid he was going to traumatize this kid. And and the kid, and he was like, are you all right? And apparently the kid that plays Eddie, uh, Jack Dunn was like, great performance. I really like what you're doing with the character. Because the kid is a fucking pro. He's a professional. He's a pro. He's a pro. And he's going to make it. I hope so. He's awesome. Eddie's my favorite. <laughs> but All I'm, right. I'm I, excited about the new one. I, I I would like to see, like, is there any major changes that you could see? Like, they will be able to ride a hard R rating yeah, with the maybe- film. Honestly, what do you want to see happen in the new film? Honestly, uh, I, I want to see all unknowns. All of them. If you make Stan like a pretty decently okay character, like give it to Matthew Rice from the Americans. Ooh. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Give him a little give him a little love. What about how crazy do you want it to delve into it? Like interdimensional? Yeah. All the way. Go like fucking just, nuts. Just go, go batshit with like nuts the sci-fi? At the end, yeah. I hope so too. Nice actually. slow burn for the first 45 minutes. Introduce us to these new characters that yeah. are adult versions of the characters that we really like from this one. And then just go for it. Will they flash back to the kids? Will they keep the kids? I think they've said that they want to, which is why they want to get going on production really quickly. Because think, they don't want the kids to age too yeah, much. They with, wanna, with the success of this one... It would be. I think they a want to film the kids leaving town. Yeah. So they already have Bev leaving, but you know they could show like Bill waving away at her as she finally gets in the car, and they could show like, oh, Mike's going to college, or yeah. like, oh, uh, Eddie's uh, his mom's had enough and they're moving away. Right. And, like they could do all that. So I think they want to. I think the idea is like they want to try and start. They want to start filming that before the end of the year. Huh. And just because they don't want the kids to age too much. They just want to kind of get those things out of the way. Yeah. And then recast. And it will be the same director. Andy Muschietti is back. Muschietti. Yes, he is. Okay. Um, okay. I'd know. like that. Go full interdimensional. Uh, I'd love weird. it if they swapped Mike and Ben's roles at this point because they already fucking did. 
Yeah. So why not give Mike something? I'd love it if they made Eddie an openly out gay character. All right. I think that would be really fucking cool. Because <laughs> people are going to go to go see It Chapter 2. And yeah. I think having, Have having an openly gay character in a massively successful horror sequel and him being gay has nothing to do with this character. Right. It's just, it's just like, I'm gay. But unfortunately... There it is, so... Eddie's character dies. Unfortunately, Eddie's character dies, but he is one of the, the tragic ones. Like that's, right. He's one I of the sad ones. Very he makes it almost to the end. I think that's very important. Yeah. I think that's great. You know, and it's yeah. like... They, they... It's... I think it's... I think it's a super awesome opportunity for them yeah. to do that, and I feel like they have already built enough away from what they did in the book and what they did in the miniseries with him confronting his mom so early right? that they could allow that to be a thing and that could be a thing that it could scare him with if they wanted to, which is something that even if you are openly gay and proud and out and comfortable, you're still afraid of people that... Well, he already references the AIDS epidemic. He does the reference the AIDS epidemic, which is a great joke, too, because it it's is. just like... Yeah. I was thinking about that at the end uh, when they're, like, cutting, like, when they do the blood pack. Oh, my God. Where I was like, guys, it's going to be the 80s. No, 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 no. You don't have don't to cut your Anything. <laughs> also, too, they don't know how, like, blood packs work. Like, you're supposed to touch the blood to the blood. Exactly. But they're all, like, holding, holding each, each other's, other's hands and you're just, like, odd. ruining... You're just ruining Eddie's cast. Yeah, you just got blood on everyone's clothes. That's all. That's it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, anything else from you? No. This one. Great. Little, little, uh, all over the place. We're all right. Yeah. Touched on everything. Figured it all out. Okay. Good. I'm excited for the new one. Mm-hmm. There's still things I hold dear about the old one, but. I'm excited to see Dairy 2016 version, too. Dairy. I'm excited to see characters using cell phones and stuff. And yeah, modern They're down day the dairy. sewers. I'm not getting the signal. Modern day Dairy. Modern day. It coming up on the screen and, like, jumping out and grabbing somebody. That's true. They have a lot more to work with technology-wise. They have a lot to work with. Yeah. And I honestly do feel, too, like, we will get the theater scene in the second one. Yeah? And I maybe it won't be in a theater. Maybe it will be with an iPhone. Huh. Or something like that. Somebody's watching something. Okay. Maybe they'll mix together the theater scene and the uh, the old photo book I kinda, from the miniseries. I like that. Him coming out and stuff like that. I'll tell you what I don't really like that I hope they leave out of the new one. Fortune cookies? Fortune cookies. Fortune you cookies. read I my knew fucking mind. Fucking do it, yeah. You read my fucking it's mind. It's so weird. Because it's so fucking ridiculous to have them all go out to eat together at a Chinese restaurant and Great the fortune creature cookies. Great effects, though. Yeah. Great effects. Kind of. I think they look good. They're kind of like... It's practical. Take it where you can get it. They're kind of like in Star Wars when they're playing like the live action version Stop of Stop motion. Yeah. yeah. It's just... I don't... I don't want to see that. I don't want to see eyeballs and weird cucarachas and stuff coming... Hermit crabs coming out of... No, maybe... Maybe... Fortune cookies. When they make the new one, they'll let them work you with. Yeah. Well, Diana, thank you so much for joining me on this <laughs> amazing it talk thanks for having me yeah and uh remember uh you can uh engage with us talk to us uh you can find us on twitter story underscore screen underscore beacon uh you can find us on instagram at story screen beacon and always story we've got tons of stuff go all the way down to the bottom of any article review or podcast page comment right through facebook you're already logged in right there engage with us talk to us if you want to be on the podcast if you want your name set on the podcast we will make you famous engage with us guys (laughs) come talk to us 
And uh, as always, uh, with overdrinkers, we don't have a tagline, so keep drinking and watching movies. That's a good tagline. Oh, yeah. good. That works. All right. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you later. Bye, bye. Guys. Bye. Parmesan on it to, to really bring it up.